Advanced After Combat. All right, this is Advanced After Combat. It's a podcast about wargaming, the war games we play, and uh, generally our experiences playing them. Um, this is an explicit podcast, so there will be bad words occasionally said. Uh, so don't gather around the children. Gather the children around the radio. Everyone turn up the volume. Have the whole family there. Uh, this is probably not suitable for kids unless you're a terrible parent. Um, most of us on this podcast are probably too drunk to vote at this point. Um, so you don't expect this to be a clean, smooth, well-produced uh, podcast recording. Uh, I'm Dave. Uh, this is Jason. Hello. And we have our guest host, specially selected from our guild, who is... Ralph Shelton. There you go. Wow, Ralph went all in. Yeah, all okay. in with the, both names. Yeah, Ralph's like, hey, I'm just going to... You could have <laughs> kept your identity secret, but I guess not. You know, I'm uh, I'm not like uh, Superman, right? I let everyone know who I am. <laughs> Open book. I like it. So, uh, Jason, are you having anything to drink tonight? Um, I'm... Almost done with a bottle of sake. Uh, Ralph, are you drinking anything tonight? I've uh, I've had one, I've had a beer and I'm I'm working on my second. Nice, nice. And I'm, I'm I'm drinking the Lagunitas Maximus. Maximus. And I've also got a backup bottle of Rogue Hazelnut Brown Nectar. Oh, very nice. So recommended to me by Bevmo, the nice lady Bevmo. Nice. Rogue is so. good stuff. Yeah, that's what she said. So, they didn't have uh, barley wine. I'm really into the Sierra Nevada barley wine right now. But, and that's another guilt tip. I've actually, you know, I've started switching from beer or from uh, Bushmills to more beer now. So, I'm actually going the other way. I'm trying to stay away from carbonation as much as possible. So I'm hitting wine and the hard stuff more than more than beer. I just feel like it's easy. somehow the the heavier beers satisfy me more, so uh, I don't drink as much of them. Maybe so <laughs> oh, yeah. the the Bushmills can be a crazy train, you know. <laughs> and there's and there's post threads on the guild that would probably prove my point. <laughs> I think I've I think I've read those, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> so. Three. So, so basically my technique is I come home from work, I figure out how many beers I'm going to drink, and then I get on the elliptical, and I exercise for that many calories, oh, then nice. I get off and go drink the beer. So, uh, my wife and I were just talking today about getting an elliptical or a treadmill or something, because she's been walking, but it's 102, um, maybe still. It was 102 at like 6.30, so she didn't feel like walking, so we're going to explore one of those options. Yeah, it's 97. It's 8 o'clock at night, and it's 97 degrees here. It's fucking ridiculous. Well, the elliptical's cool because you can... Uh, you, I use my iPad, and I play, like, games like uh, uh, Lords of Waterdeep or FTL while I'm working out. Nice. So I found myself I would actually exercise longer because I'm like, I'm not done with this mission. So I would, like, put more time on the elliptical and... <laughs> And, and to the families of all my FTL crew members, I just want to apologize because I know none of them have come home safely. We, That's not good. We've yet to have a successful mission. Maybe one day, Dave. Maybe one day. You, do you do any? Do you play any iPad games, Ralph? You know, I don't. My um, my wife has an iPad, but I I don't. What about you, Jason? Do you do anything? No, I don't. I don't. I play. Pixel Dungeon on my on my phone, and that's all the video gaming really I've, I've been doing. 
pretty pretty boring. Okay, so we've got Ralph. Uh, Ralph's a pretty famous guy. Is that overstating it? No. Okay. I think that's massively overstating it. As an outside observer, no. So, so uh, <laughs> Ralph is Ralph is a game designer. Oh no, you're a developer. Get it right, exactly. Dave. Come on. You're you're a div- diviner, game diviner, a developer. Like yes. <laughs> uh, and what is that exactly is involved in uh, designing a war game or or developing a war game? Or See, the problem a war is, game. I wrote designing games, or both. but that's not what you fucking do. So I keep fucking saying things. It. <laughs> yeah. You mean you mean you have notes, Dave? I would I never. Have have, I would never have guessed that. I do have notes. I said Ralph. Com, or period, designing <laughs> games, period. There you go. Comma. You got, got bulleted oh, wow. talking points somewhere, right? <laughs> They're wrong. I had three words and one of them's wrong. <laughs> Dude, you know. Kickstarter, uh, folks. I'm telling you, if we just do a Kickstarter, all of this is going to stop. It's going to be a special <laughs> operation. It's in the the best part about that, Dave is that I can tell you're lying because you're talking. <laughs> Ralph, by the way, he owns five podcast t-shirts. So he's by far the best still in there. Yeah. That's how he got the guest host slot. <laughs> no, that's a secret. That will not oh, be. We, and by the way, if you ask about it, there's, it's one of those things where if you ask to be a host, you're probably going to get bumped down on the list. Uh-oh. So you can't ask. Bad form. The secret's out. Right. Though that says something to do more with the algorithm, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's like downvotes and Facebook. Okay, so Ralph, you develop war games. I do, yes. Have you done more than one? I have, yes. No, it's it's because I was yes. going to have to scratch the S off my note of games <laughs> no, there's and just more say than develop one. game. Period. Game. It's, okay. There's more than one. Now it's okay. it's uh, so there was, was there was Infidel and there was Blood and Roses. They're both in the Men of Iron series. Um, and I've worked, um, and I've been working closely with, uh, Mark and he, Mark Mczicki. Gosh, I can't, I can't even pronounce his last name, dude. I'm just gonna butcher it. The dude who did Red Winter. I did a lot of, um, work with him on the rule book for Red Winter. Oh, and then I've been working with him on, um, Operation Dauntless. And it, it kind of, what, what development means can be different, dude, between, between designers, right? Some designers, are looking for less help. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or have more time and they're sinking all their time into it, right? Like, uh, Mark sinks, he, he does, he does an awful lot of stuff, you know, himself. He, he play tests, he gets, you know, he does, I mean, he does the art, he, he makes these sweet looking play test counters that he uses. Stuff like that. You know, whereas the, my work with, uh, Richard Berg, you know, the, I do a, a lot more, Stuff. I mean, he designs the he designs things, but I I, I kind of wrangle the playtesters and get playtest reports, and then work with him to um, adjust the game uh, to make it more fun. So, is it like project management, or is it more hands on with tweaking of rules? And you know, it's there's that's a great question. And it kind of depends. I would say there is a, there is a certain there's a lot of project management to it, but I do get in there and 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 you know and I I'll, I suggest rule changes and I say hey let's change it like this, and you know and most of the time, you know because I've I've played games for a long time now, um, and so you know most of the time, I guess I'm not totally off the mark. So you 
Okay, so is there a point like where you're going to make a suggestion to a designer and maybe he's not receptive? I mean, who wins that battle over the game? You know, generally, I would think it was it would be the designer unless it's just like an absolutely horrible, horrible choice. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And then, you know, and, and then it, it all depends. I mean, it, if I've never, I've never been in that situation where I've, I've I've made a suggestion and not been able to then, you know, put together information backing that suggestion up to the point where it can it it gets adopted. Sure. Or that I think is a is a big enough deal that matters, right? So the designer basically. Uh hands you a game and then you do your your various stuff and then you bring it back to him with suggestions on things that could be adjusted or I do yes exactly and and I and I I'm res- like you know for for the men of iron stuff I'm responsible for you know I take the the rules you know Richard makes some changes to the base rules to represent the time period and then I am responsible for you know making that wording you know, tight and trying to get it where everyone can understand it. You know what okay. I'm saying? So like a second set of eyes kind of looking over it. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and kind of re- rewording things. And, and if I, you know, if, and if, if we need to, you know, make some changes to the rules or the scenarios, you know, and I, I'm, I kind of handle a lot of that and then just kind of pass it back by Richard to see how, you know, make sure he's, he's good with what I'm doing. That's cool. So is this, you've done several titles by Richard? Yes, two. Several so, big two. <laughs> are you are you now his developer of choice? Kind of like his catcher? Like when he's starting, he wants you behind the plate. You know, I wouldn't think so because he's got a lot. He does he does so many. I mean, he does a lot of stuff. Yeah, there's right? a lot of stuff going on. I mean, he's got uh, great battles of history. He's got the Men of Iron stuff. I mean, he's got he's got stuff that I don't even know about. Right. Right. Um, I think he he works with a lot of different folks. Uh, you know, cool. I think he's happy that uh, that I'm doing men of, the Men of Iron stuff because it's been it's been going well. Good, that's cool. Okay, uh, a couple questions for you, Ralph. Sure. Um, what's your first war game you played? Kind of, how did you get into war gaming? You know, <laughs> that was uh, over 30 years ago, and it's uh, I was like 12. I'm trying to think. What the first war game I played was, it had to have been. It was. I'm sure it was like a multiplayer game like Diplomacy or something. Because I, I found war gaming at this game store down in in uh, New Mexico, mm-hmm. where I lived. So I, I bet it was something probably along the lines of Diplomacy. What's your favorite war game? What's my favorite war game? That you did not develop. <laughs> that I did not develop. Well, there was a reason that I that I started doing Men of Iron, the Men of Iron stuff, right? Because I liked it a lot. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm really into uh, I'm really into Musket and Pike, and so I, I'll probably say I'll probably go with that. Um, series as a whole. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, there's a lot of good stuff there. Can Can you do me a quick favor? Can Can you s- repeat something for me? Sure. Like, we played a lot of Vassal games, and I've heard this before, but can you say, uh, what are you doing, Dave? I wouldn't do that if I were you, Dave. <laughs> sure, Dave. Uh, what are you doing, Dave? I wouldn't do that if I were you, Dave. That's good. Okay, that's that's going to be my 
text notification. That's awesome. Yeah, Ralph's awesome to play with. He's very patient, so he's he's pushed pushed me and guided me through. Ralph's comments usually, I'll make a move and he'll be like, "Well, that that was interesting." That Sounds was like us playing uh, the sprint. <laughs> Like, are you really? That's where you're gonna go with these guys? We played Federation Commander. I am the worst Klingon commander probably that's been in the game. So, um, Ralph, would you like to do the quiz or do you have anything you really wanna, uh, talk about? I mean, I know you have a review, we'll get to that later, but we have a quiz for you. You know, dude, that sounds fine. Are you for the name four (laughs) quiz? You know, know, I am, I'm, I can pretend, can't I? Please do. And in 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 this podcast, this is what we call a segue to the that was our smooth segue. Where <laughs> 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 we stop the train, you can't. Everyone point. gets off. We, get back on. <laughs> we flip it around and then we head in another direction. Okay, so we had guest hosts on, and each guest host we kind of uh, prepare a quiz uh, called Name Four. Uh, Lucas did the quiz previously. Didn't set the bar super high for you on the quiz, so we're going to see how well you do. So, okay. Um, I, I don't think it's timed. I don't. Jason, did we time it last time? I don't think no. we timed it. But generally, it's it's going to be uh, no five questions. There's four questions, and then there's a bonus question, and each answer is worth a point. And then at some point, I scrawl on the bottom of the quiz how many points you got, and then it's never recorded anywhere else except in the minutes. <laughs> the listeners. It's, uh, so, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's I want to say the Luke, internet for posterity. I want to so. say Lucas got a 12. I'm uh, sure we have some kind. Yeah, 12 out of the first four, and then he got one of the bonus. I don't think he had any of the bonus. The bonus question was like, uh, oh, so yeah. bottles fought in Mississippi, which is a particularly devious area. Okay, so we're ready to go. Ralph, you ready? Let's go. And I, I don't need to tell you no Googling or anything like that. It's uh, We're on the honor system, so... First question. Name, well, I guess it's not a question, it's more of a, a command. <laughs> Name four Union Corps commanders that were in the Army of the Potomac at the Battle of Gettysburg. Four Union Corps commanders out of all the Corps commanders that were in the Army of the Potomac at Gettysburg. You know, that's, I hate the Civil War. <laughs> um, but, you hate so, the American Civil War. I hate the American Civil all War. Exactly. Of, all of the Civil Wars. Yeah, no, no, English Civil War is fine. But the, I'm, I'm thinking, so, I guess I, I guess I would say I don't know who are the core commanders, but I'm gonna try, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna try anyway, right? So, yeah. dudes like, was it Sickles? Is he's one of them? Oh, yep, that's one. Ding, he's, ding, he's, ding, ding, He's a core commander, right? Um, there was the guy on the hill with the uh, was that a division the, the commander? Judges, the judges will not accept that answer. <laughs> I understand, dude. I'll know. With uh, he made a good move. Uh, yeah, he was. Well, the twenty. I'm thinking. I guess he was the division commander because that was the twentieth Maine, right? Up on um, like it, the it was the top. guy from the Big Lebowski. No, that's a different guy. That's no, that's a different guy. Up. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, I'm reaching for my copy of Killer Angels right now. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, right. he might. <laughs> I'm uh or, class, or no chance for victory. You're gonna reach for it. Yeah, I don't see. I don't even own very many Civil War games because it's it just doesn't appeal to me. Okay. Um, but yeah, dude, you know I. Um, it's not an easy one. I might have gotten. No. Three I'm thinking of them, maybe was four. like 
was like, I guess I keep thinking there was that that it was that I keep thinking that McPherson McPherson's Ridge was at Gettysburg. Yes. And wasn't it named after the guy who was in charge of their no. McPherson? No. There you go. Well, there. So, yeah, dude, I'm 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 done. I'm I'm over. All right. Do you want the answers? I do. Sure. Reynolds. Yep. That's who I believe died there. Yep. Yeah. Hancock. I, I don't think he. Well, yeah. Did he died there. One of the good. I ones think he died died later, right? Like I just remember a, after. a good general. Yeah, was wounded. Reynolds, Hancock, Sickles, Sykes, Sedgwick. Howard, who was famously Howard, had like like the considered the worst reputation in his corps. But Slocum, I would have taken Pleasanton, who was a, a cavalry kind of the cavalry commander, and even Tyler, who was in charge of the artillery reserve. But that's what I got. Wow. See, I I probably could have named the um, the, the Confederate right. Ones, right. They're, they're they're easier. They have better PR people. <laughs> they do. They do. The Union doesn't. They're still fighting that war. <laughs> the union doesn't rail on and on about their general. That's right. Okay, so here's the second question. And and the idea is these questions, each question covers a certain area of uh, military history or general, like, conflict history. So they'll be in different periods. So I'm going to pick – the next question is in a period that is one of your strong points, one that you, that you hold dear to your heart. It's really popular with you. Okay. Name for World War II vehicles – that were deployed in World War II that were named after animals. That were named after animals. From any side? From, or, yeah, from any side. For from World any War side. Well, that, that makes it easy, right? Because the, there's the, the tiger tank, right? Yes. The panther. Yes. Um, I mean, the Germans just love those, right? Um, right. And they had to... You just said it was easy, Ralph. Let's I did, and now, and now I'm stalling. Now you're too. Done. <laughs> Damn it! And I, and I won't take King Tiger. <laughs> That's the tiger. tiger and King Tiger. Are you, are you sure? Panzer, no, Panzer Kampfwagen, six E. Well, no, sure you okay. You're like, Even if, you're like, it's easy, and one, two, and now I'm done. And now, and, well, I'm not done. I'm, I'm thinking, spent. right? I'm, I'm thinking about the um, wow. What were? And they were vehicles of any kind. Um, yeah, like I would say, like armored vehicles. Like uh, okay. I would accept self-propelled artillery, tank destroyers, tanks. Uh, I, I think any of the big cats you can go with. Yeah, except the, like the leopard. Don't give hints. Don't give hints. <laughs> uh, leopard came later. Leopard did there... later. Yeah, because that's that's the that's the German tank from. And we won't accept the mouse because the mouse actually didn't deploy. Okay. Not like that was on the tip of your tongue, but no, it was not. Um, and we won't accept the king mouse either. <laughs> okay, great. Or king I was, mouse I was, too. I was, I was gonna, I was gonna like try and reach for some of the uh, for uh, if vehicles were a little unspecific because I was thinking airplanes, right? And they, they had some. You mm. could do like it's the panther, the tiger, the tiger Jensen Jensen. Yeah. Tatu Varakta. What was wasn't wasn't there like one of the little tanks? Wasn't like it like the Lynx or something? Or is that later? I think that's later. You're right. That is. That's like that's like the British. That's one of the British ones, isn't it? From from later. See, damn it! In World War Two, guys, you're killing me. Um. Tiger and but if it turns out that the Lynx is one, we would give you credit, but it's not okay. one of the answers. Yeah. That's great. 
yeah, I'm, you know, I'm thinking there's, there's all the listeners are going to be like, it's, it's so simple, you know. No, I intentionally chose this one because I know you hate World War Two, so. Yeah. That's yeah. the kind of guy I am. That's my sociopathic tendencies coming out. And how. But it is World War Two. Come on. And you Big know, Something cheetah, what's that? you know, I'm thinking of, man, we didn't name our tanks like that, right? Don't, or, yeah, don't start just naming a bunch of cats. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just thinking about it, right? <laughs> The and there were there were very few dog ones, right? Or other one. Oh, um, there was the elephant. Oh, he scores last <laughs> minute. He pulls out the elephant. Right, right, because that that was that was one of the tank destroyers, right? Yes, yes, it's good. And I then think it was um, Ferdinand also named the elephant. Yeah. What was what's um? And the the, the Russians were all like T this T that, right? Yeah, there's one that I think you're gonna kick yourself afterwards, but it's technically an animal. Technically an animal. Technically. You know, uh, Ralph, I don't want to rush you, but some people might pay for for for. Not everyone has. Uh, some people I think have already arrived at work. <laughs> yes, I understand. They're already in the parking lot, waiting to hear the end of the. They are. They are <laughs> waiting. Dude, they're waiting a long time, as it turns out. Yeah, you know. Let him wait. Yeah. I'm enjoying myself. You said it was in your time, car. my friend. You said it was in time. your car. Turn your car off and go to work. You're already late. Yeah, your boss is staring at you. <laughs> From the window, you he's watching you. <laughs> he's got he's binoculars. Like, He's like, now he, that asshole's just sitting out in the parking lot trying to <laughs> piss me off. What is that face and he's it, making? Why, why is he yelling at the, ra- at the radio? <laughs> he's I don't yelling understand. an animal name over and over again yeah. in the car. Ah, uh, dude, yeah, I'm seeing there, there. You I, got three out of four. I know, and we don't, we didn't name ours like out of, out of, uh, after vehicles, uh, after animals very often. Just people. Yeah, people. Are people. Like Stop giving like, hints, Jason. Oh, sorry. Yeah, dude, I'm, uh, that's, that's it. I'm done. I'm gonna, I'm gonna quit. Okay. So, uh, we would have accepted the Firefly. The Firefly, damn it, you know what? I know, I knew you'd be like, motherfucking <laughs> Yeah, you know, and I, in Operation Dauntless, he's got, he's got Fireflies, you know, in with the Sherman companies. Wow. Uh, and also we would have accepted the Hummel, which is technically the Bumblebee. The bumblebee, yeah. Which Hitler actually ordered changed later because he felt it wasn't military enough. <laughs> it wasn't manly enough, yes. <laughs> it wasn't aggressive enough. So they you named know, it King Bumblebee. Right. And the, there are, there are Hummels in that, in that game too. And I've, I've stared at those counters. Damn it. Okay. And we, and Wolverine. For oh, tanks. yeah. And we would have also accepted Hellcat. Hellcat? That's not technical. It's a cat. There's a cat in there. Yeah, but it's it's also well. You could say wildcat. That's more. Well, Ralph, you didn't even guess it. So what do you care, dude? I asked you. I asked. I, I mentioned. You said there were. You said armored vehicles. That's and an, an airplane tank destroyer. Is no, a Hellcat is a tank destroyer. The Hellcat's no, the Hellcat's Wolverine. A, an F six. What the hell are you talking the, about? F six F. Isn't the Wolverine? Isn't there a cat that's a tank destroyer? Jason, start typing. <laughs> yeah, the Wolverine's an M four. Right. It's no, the Wolverine's a tank destroyer, but yeah. there's another tank destroyer. There's like the M18, and then there's another tank destroyer. One of them is also called a Hellcat, I think. Well, I, 
Why would we use? Why would we? Well, you didn't guess it, so what do you care? I. That's right. I'm just. I'm just bitching because because I think you're wrong. Okay. You're just angry. <laughs> I'm angry. You're just lashing out. I'm lashing. Okay. You ready for the third question? No. Because I'm expecting you. I'm expecting you to not. crush this one. M18. Okay. You're right, Dave. It was the Hellcat, right? Yep. So we oh, used the same name twice. That's really messed up. Okay. Well, no. What would happen sometimes is the British would name our tanks, our vehicles. So uh, I don't know if the Wolverine. You know, sometimes the British would name a U.S. vehicle that came out. No, I don't know if we always named it that, but no, um, I bet it was just them because you know, and and you know, apologies to all our British listeners, but you know, they're just weird, dirty. Yeah, and I'm going to also accept your apology for trying to claim that I had the wrong answer there. When, okay, there you go. And you can also so, apologize to Wikipedia. So by the way, it's you know, <laughs> um, you're not it getting that apology, sense. Dave. <laughs> okay, so third question. Now, this is right in your wheelhouse, and I'm not even joking this time. During Rome's history, it was led by two triumvirates, the first triumvirate and the second triumvirate. Name four of the six members of these two triumvirates. Jeez. So, there was um, Julius Caesar. Oh, yeah. Right, right you got him. Uh, Pompey. Got him. God, who was who was the guy that they um I you know I he's he's the guy that that he went off and actually retired I can't remember his name um it one of them got his head cut off I thought well that you know that was I don't think it was him it wasn't Lepidus that's one uh, no. was it it he was said it Lepidus. wasn't but it was no, Lepidus. oh yeah so, technically I shouldn't give you the name. yes but that but that so that was the dude that like became Pontifus Maximus and like retired to the seashore. Um, and then there was the second triumvirate was Octavian. No, Le- Lepidus was actually a member of the second triumvirate. Was he? Because it was it was Octavian, right? right. I thought we're not and, giving hints, Dave. And Marcus. And I know, I know. We're, we're way off the reservation of this question. I understand. He um, started Lepidus. bewildering me with all his Latin names. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. Yes. I just folded. <laughs> yes, Roman. They're Roman. They're not Latin at that point. Um, but it was it was Octavian, <laughs> right? Um, and, the, the lang- isn't the language Latin? Yes. So the names would be in Latin, right? Well, I guess. Okay, dick face. So let me run the quiz. <laughs> um, and, um, God, who was, um, so Mark, now that Mark Anthony, you, have, Marcus Antonius. you got Mark Anthony. So yes. you, basically you named Caesar, Pompey, Octavian, Mark Anthony. You kind of named Lepidus, even though Jason would say I kind of shoved that into <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I kind of, I kind of forgot that he was in second. And, and then there's, there's a, there's a sixth one. Do you know the sixth one? He's the guy. That's the guy that retired to the seashore after becoming named Pontifus Maximus, and I can't remember his name because isn't just, this the guy that ran the fire department in Rome, where he would buy people's houses like as they were burning, be like, "You want me to put out the fire?" I think it was put, something like that. Yes, Crassus. Crassus. Yes. I think he actually got his head cut off. He went and fought. He went and fought uh, some other country and got killed. He You're right. He went. He went. To, it was the. It was the Parthians. Right, I think it was the part yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I was thinking of a later dude. There was a dude that 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 joined um, that after Crassus got 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 axed. There was a, another guy that they brought in, and that's the guy that retired, that became uh, Pontius Maximus and retired to the seashore. And I can't remember his name. So and, that, that was that was great. So that was you impressive. Got, you got four points for that. I knew you would do well on that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, I, I needed to, right? Because right. I'm trying yeah, we don't want you to go into the rest of the podcast with just a really sick cloud of shame. Yeah. Dude, I'm I, I, I'm just you know I'm I'm already sad now. 
So now the fourth and final regular round question is, excuse me, Wellington won many battles during the Napoleonic Wars, and much of his fighting was done in Spain. Name four battles in the Napoleonic War in which he commanded an army. That's awesome. I like I like the misdirection there, right? <laughs> Waterloo, right? Yes. Ding. Um, and that's just the Battle of Waterloo. Hint. Yes, that's correct, because he also um, commanded... Uh, there were two others, it, there, and I can't remember which one the British were at. It was Quatre Bras, right? Ding. Yeah. I need you to be more, like, firm in your answers. Here. <laughs> okay. Like, Dude, well, you can't put your answers in the form of a question. <laughs> Fine. This is not Jeopardy? What? <laughs> Fuck, I thought okay, it was. That's two. Yeah. Um, Talavera? Was he, was that, was that? Was he? that is, Fine. That, I'm saying Talavera. I'm sorry, is that an answer? Talavera. I believe you are correct. Talavera it's, it's is one of the few. It's one of the few Spanish battles that I remember, right? It's a big uh, one. Yeah, there was, there's a, there's a Labatai game on it, right? That's how it yeah, yeah, I think I've, I've seen it on people selling it online for some outrageous. Well, that's the whole point of the quiz. <laughs> yeah. That the games produce knowledge about history. They do. But with exactly. you, it's just you looking at the fact that they're for sale. So that's yes. how you're Exactly. Like, so now you have three correct answers. I know. I need and one more. And I need it to be said with some enthusiasm oh, and conviction. And conviction. Dude, yeah, I hear you. Um, Wellington, Arthur Wellesley, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Time limit on questions. <laughs> Note to self. Yeah, Jason, email that to our producer. Well, so. yeah, I'm trying to think of, uh, dude, I'm, I can't. I actually can't think of any of the other Spanish battles, even though I'm sure there were, there's just tons of famous ones, right? Is that a question? No. That's me saying, screw this, I'm done. Okay. I like it. Uh, even, well, I, even the quitting was noncommittal. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I like your commitment to it. Uh, Orthez is also a, uh, a Labatao series. Oh, awesome, yeah. So that would have been one we would have accepted. But and that's, that's good. Yeah. 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 Three. Mm-hmm. That's good. So you have a total. Right now, yeah, you're at 11. I'm glad Jason's keeping track. <laughs> and now we're entering the bonus round. And the bonus round is going to be very chaotic, but you might, you might be able to guess some. And I'm going to be pretty, uh, lenient as far as answers I'll accept here. The Great Northern War was fought from 1700 until 1721. Name four of the nations that fought in this war. Four. Um, Great Northern War, 1700 to 1721. I think just the name kind of narrows it yeah. down, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was it was Sweden and Russia yeah. because there was like something. Um, there was a big battle on the, that was the battle with the Alexander Nevsky and the Frozen Lake, right? Okay. We're um, not answering your questions anymore, Ralph. You're on your thank own. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> dude. I'm I'm I, I, I'm just trying. <laughs> I'm trying like to I'm include. I'm just, trying, I'm just trying to include everybody. Okay. It's like zero dark thirty. <laughs> um, the waterboarding comes next, Dave. The waterboarding comes next. Uh, well, let's let's go with um, Poland. 
Well, and Poland in combination with what country? Poland in combination with what country? Because mm-hmm. some of these nations were not nations just themselves. Oh, yeah, that's right. Damn it. Um... Not Italy, not Italy. No, not Italy, not Italy. Not we won't Turkey, accept I... America. <laughs> Damn it. It had been discovered by then. Come on. Um, dude, yeah, Poland and... Oh, oh no, no, no. I'm going to go with Prussia. Correct, I'll accept that. Brandenburg, Prussia. Brandenburg, Prussia, yeah. Okay. Because okay. that was right right before um, Frederick's Great, right? Right. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, well, because there's one more, right? Well, there's there's a bunch. There's a bunch. Um, if they're, they're not traditional. You know, the problem is there's combos, and, you know, they're not always the same yeah, entities that we're used to dealing with, the modern age. like Schleswig-Holstein and stuff like that, right? Um, but I don't think that was one of them. I'm um, not answering any of your questions. <laughs> Thank you. Um, this bastard. <laughs> you like how you like how I, I how I try and draw you out, Dave. Um, I bet I bet the Danes were involved. I'm going to go with da- Denmark. Not by itself. <sighs> oh, was it Denmark and Pomerania? Nope. No, damn it. Yeah. Hmm. I think that was an answer, though. Wasn't Is that your final answer? It's pretty lenient on this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm horrible. I need the worst answer. Not to mention that we would have already gone past our hour time slot on the show. It, it, it has been pretty much an hour time, uh, an hour already, and that's just this question. If you get points by minutes spent stalling <laughs> on the quiz, Ralph, you, you dude, I'm winning. I'm winning. I'm the winning winner. I feel like Charlie Sheen right now. Um, yeah, no, dude. I, I, it's you know maybe I don't know. I'm, I'm, I can't think of any others. Okay, so we're not saying that any. This is actually a very confusing part of history. So mm-hmm. because the nations don't exactly fit in with what we think the nations would be, uh, but generally it's Russia's correct. Yeah. Uh, Denmark, Norway were the same Denmark, area. Yeah, because they were. It was the it was the king of. It was the, united. Yeah. Saxony. Saxony. Yeah. I would have accepted Saxony. Poland, Lithuania. Poland, Lithuania. Mm. Hanover, also Brunswick, Lüneburg. No idea who the fuck that is, but that was kind of the Hanover is the same. Uh, Holstein Gottorp. Holstein Gottorp. And I guess at some point the Ottomans got involved, so a little bit. But they were, I think they were very uh, tangential involved with it. So So overall, I think we're looking at. I have fourteen. Yeah, that's not bad. That's pretty good. You beat you beat Lucas. Not that we're keeping score. That's fourteen out of twenty. Yeah, I'm, I'll text him and rub it in. <laughs> yeah, the, you you really got killed on the whole Union Corps commanders thing. That was brutal. Dude, it, you know you you chose if if it if you'd said you know name like four guys that had gone on the four, on the first crusade. You know I'd be all over that. Yeah, I can't imagine why I didn't pick that question. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Okay, so that is it for the quiz. So uh now I guess we we've got a bunch of different topics we can talk about. Um 
We we went to GMT West. Uh, Jason, do you have a game you want to review? Uh, you guys talk about GMT West. Ralph, you want to talk about GMT West real quick? That sounds awesome. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I guess I'll start. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. I'm sorry. You want me to start? Yeah, it's, can... it's, it's in California. <laughs> Yeah, I can start. It's, uh, I had never been before, so the guys were going, a bunch of the guys from the guild were going to be there. So I decided, you know, whatever, the conventions out in Los Angeles have been sucked lately for wargaming. So. How far, I, how far is that from you? It's like two and a half hours okay. drive. So it's not bad. So I kind of got out there. I got there on a Friday morning and left on Saturday at noon. So I stayed over Friday. So that's kind of the idea. So you get there and it's in the warehouse of GMT, which is kind of in a industrial area of Hanford, which is a agricultural town, kind of a slow central Central Valley California town. And uh, I played uh, two games of Kingdom of Heaven with uh, Mitchell Land, who's in the guild, and uh, that was fun. We played it, enjoyed it. Played the first game real quick. He liked it. Was like, let's play again right away. So I was like, all right, fuck yeah, let's do it. So then we played the second Crusade the second time. And then we played the Guild Here I Stand game uh, that evening. And, uh, Ralph, you didn't play in that game, did you? I did not, no. You were I kind of observing no. or, yeah. So. so a bunch of guys from the Guild were playing. I was the Ottomans. Uh, I read it. I, I had no idea how to play the game. So I, I did read an article on strategy for the Ottomans. And I don't... I, did I win that game? I believe I won the game. You did win that game, Dave. Oh, wow. I won the game. You and, you and, um, you and Braxton tied, but you had more victory points the turn before, so that was, that broke the tiebreaker. Yeah, so basically my strategy was, uh, initially I was just going to do some piracy as the Ottomans, because frankly that's the only thing I knew Heck I could yeah. do. Yep. But then I got this wild, crazy idea that I would invade Naples with an Ottoman army, because I had this army just sitting around and Oh, and it drove Ralph crazy too because I kept calling Istanbul, Constantinople. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph's like, "You're the fucking Ottomans." It's not Constantinople. Dude, just listen to the. They might be giants. Just listen. What the fuck, Dave? Here's the stop calling it Istanbul. So, so I kept watching invasions from Constantinople. <laughs> it's not a thing anymore. But it was interesting because, like, I kind of launched this invasion, and it didn't really do much. It just launched. Like landed a small army in Italy, but it kind of freaked out the papacy a little bit. They weren't comfortable with the situation that I'd landed. So then, the, then Mitch, who was playing the papacy, decided he was going to basically try to exterminate the the pirate threat in the Mediterranean. So he spent a lot of CPs trying to get rid of my pirate fleets. And every time he'd sink them, I would just rebuild them. So then the Protestants kind of started gaining ground. This And this is all my impression. And I, Most of the time I was just watching the board in a bemused way as they did various things, trying to switch from Protestant to Catholic and different hexes. And I had no idea what they were actually doing. Um, but the, the Protestants actually started to convert a lot of stuff because I think the papacy was so busy trying to get rid of the Ottomans. And then by the time they all went back and tried to handle the Protestants, then they, they ignored me. So then all the pirates came back, and I realized how easy it was for me to build a big cavalry army and actually captured Venice on the last turn, nice. and that gave me the points I needed to, uh, to to tie the game and then win it. So 
and it was very handy that Mitch declared war on you rather than you declaring war on Mitch because then you got to keep an extra card. Right, so that's the deal when you declare war, you have to pay a card? Yeah, you have to pay. I, yeah, this is a th- game you played for how long? Oh, dude, I, I still don't know how to roll But I won the game. And I, my whole my whole strategy was all I kept telling Lucas was like, Mitch is the enemy. He's the most experienced player here. Yep. He knows the rules. Attack Mitch. <laughs> that was my whole strategy. So but Apparently, it was the winning strategy. Right. So uh, in the morning, uh, basically, Gene Billingsley comes out and gives a speech, which is, uh, you know, hey, here's how the company's going, and here's what our plans are, and here's what the future looks like. And it was kind of cool, you know, gives kudos uh, to everybody. And I was sitting next to John, uh, your friend, Ralph, who was very funny to sit next to. It's like being in a, a pew in like a Southern Baptist church. While yes. Gene's talking, where he's like, "Amen." Oh, that's true. Everything. Yes. <laughs> Gene would say, "John would be like, oh, that's not true.' Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's totally right about that." Like, so the whole time it's very hilarious. And uh, he's very enthusiastic, great guy. I liked him. And uh, so, but you know, the problem was, I was leaving at like one. I'd be on the road because this convention was on the same day as my daughter's birthday. So I'd missed my six-year-old daughter's birthday, and I thought we were going to kind of lie to her about what the day was because she can't even read a calendar, really. She, you know, she doesn't have a calendar. But the problem is, like, my family's calling me, like, hey, we're here to call Grace for her birthday. I'm at the gaming convention. I'm like, oh, she's not here. They're like, what are you talking about? It's her birthday. I'm like, oh, well, I'm at this gaming convention. <laughs> <laughs> my sister called. My mom called. My dad called all right in a row. And I'm like, Oh, I'm such a dick. I can't believe I'm not at her birthday. My dad's like, are you crazy? It's your daughter's birthday here at a gaming convention? So, they come did, over he, did he tell you he, you were the worst parent ever, or did he just kind of imply it? Well, the one good thing is my mother-in-law called up the house to say uh, happy birthday to my daughter, and she goes, where's Dave? And, and my wife goes, he's at a work convention. He's at a work thing. She goes, where? She goes, he's just at a work thing. You know, the nice. wife actually covered for me. She's got your back. Yeah, that's that, awesome. was cool. that was cool. But So then we came back, and we had fun. We did a bunch of fun stuff on Sunday. So I did come back in the afternoon. I wasn't gone the entire time. But um, so, but basically, so I had to come back on Saturday afternoon. So while Gene's talking, and, you know, it's nice. He, hey, the, the people at the company were super nice, generous. They, they go out and they get all this food and stuff that you can buy. Very... Uh, courteous and open to everybody, very hospitable. Um, the problem was, I got a game I got to play. I want to get in the game before I have to leave. So as Gene's talking, you know, guys have questions like, oh, they ask this question, that question. Some guys are asking just because they want everyone to hear them ask the question. Uh, and I'm just like starting to rage inside because I'm like, we have to get this fucking meeting over with. Because <laughs> I so I'm barely controlling myself during the last half of it. So That sounds about right. And then Braxton lost his keys. He did. And he couldn't find his keys. He, so as I'm watching, I'm raging inside. I see Braxton wandering around the outside of the, the thing, looking at, like, boxes. And I'm like, what the fuck is he even doing over there? He, he's just at this point in the phase where he's just trying to find his car keys anywhere. Like, he's like, maybe they're in the toilet. You know, he's like, like yeah. where else could they be? So Maybe they're in my out, anus, he says. <laughs> turns out. He That's where I look searched, he searched his car, couldn't find his keys. One place he hadn't checked, I said, well, is there any place you didn't look? He goes, yeah, the trunk. He goes, but they're not in the trunk. 
Because like, I didn't open the trunk easy. <laughs> like, we're going to go search your car. So we went and searched his car. And so his car was open? His car was, his car was unlocked, yes. Hmm. Except for the trunk, because he said it was his mom's car or something, and he said, I don't know how to open the trunk. Yeah. So, so where, did we, where did we find the keys, Ralph? Um, in the trunk. <laughs> in the trunk. He's like, he's like, he tells me, you can't open the trunk from inside the car. And I said, that's ridiculous. You can open the trunk of any car with a lever inside the car. Usually, yeah. So. yeah. Name me one, Jason, you can't. <clears throat> I'm agreeing with you. Don't okay. Be hostile. <laughs> I was like, dude. So Rax was so, like, no, it can't happen. Oh yeah, and they were sure. No, the keys are, are missing. So, yeah. so having shared that hilarious story with you guys, uh, uh, so once the meeting's finally over with, I played Frank Oppression War 40 with with Lucas. Was it better face to face? Much better. Okay. Tremendously different game. Much better with the hit. We use the hidden counters. So the whole gamey aspect of it is that guys will try to manipulate the reaction movement by setting up unrealistic attacks for their opponent because you're forced to attack if a guy reacts into the hex next to you and it's your turn. But it turns out when you don't really know what's in that hex, you're less likely to try to burn a card to do that. Mm -hmm. But I will say, some guy comes up to me very nicely as I'm getting ready to play a game. He goes, hi, are you a designer? And I'm like, "Uh, what are you talking about? Is he hitting on you? And he goes, he goes, are you a designer? I said, no. He goes, oh, I thought this was a playtest copy. <laughs> so there you go, victory point game. This game thought was a playtest copy. I'm like, oh no. I said, oh no, this is the finished product. I, paid a lot of money this time. I said I paid like forty dollars for this with shipping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, I was like, oh, I gotta talk about that. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. There, there, a ton of people show up, right, to kind of pimp their designs, and a lot of them have gone to a lot of trouble, right, to make their <laughs> their make their design look really sweet. Yeah, that's funny. Except for Victory Point yeah. Games. <laughs> yeah, horrible, yeah. horrible. That was a finished product. Um, so a couple of things I want to talk about too. Uh, if you see a bunch of guys playing Here I Stand, don't walk up to them and say like, "Oh, what are you guys playing Here I Sit." Um, you're like the eight thousandth guy to say that, and if you say it to me, I'm gonna fucking punch your teeth out because it was so annoying. Like it's like war gamers hear something that's slightly amusing, and then they just have to repeat it over. I like puns. Oh, it was like ooh, who is it? Who is? It was really fucking old after a while. The other advice is when you what? say after a while, you mean like the second right time you heard it. Dude, how many times do you think people said it to us? Oh, I heard it about 12, and I wasn't there the whole time. It it got so old. I'm like, I'm going to grab your colostomy bag and strangle <laughs> you with it. You fucking say that one more time. So uh, the other thing is we, we need to have a, like a sit-down talk about uh, convention T-shirts. I it's think not this is even the place about, to do it. It's not even about... You got the T-shirt. Wait, let me convention. let me get your soapbox for you. Right, it's it's not about people of the world, war gamers. <laughs> it's not about the T. You bought the convention at the T-shirt. And, uh, uh, sorry, I'm sorry. You bought the T-shirt at the convention. You didn't wash it, and you're wearing it, and it's unwandered. That's not the issue. The problem is, if you are a double XL and you have an L T-shirt on, that's a problem. Like. 
if when you look down at the bottom of your t-shirt and you see like a foot of your stomach between like your bare belly between your t-shirt and your shorts, you aren't buying the right size t-shirts for your body. Isn't that how we find opponents? Like, Oh, dude. Here's my belly. Where's your belly? There were some, there were some guys, some guys that I knew that were nice guys. I'm just like, seriously, like your belly is like sticking out. Like how many times did you put that t-shirt in the dryer? It's just like. <laughs> Dave. Drake. What you, what you don't realize. Sadly, they can't see the bottom of their belly. <laughs> so they can't true. tell that it, you know, and if it were cold, they would understand. But because it's warm, they're, they don't understand that their belly's hanging out. A bare midriff is not a good look for a war game. <laughs> <laughs> like, and we were talking about this on Vassal. Like, a guy could literally lean onto the table and move his reserve units with his stomach hairs. <laughs> he's like, I'm advancing my reserves into action. Like, as he's leaning over, you're like, dude, you just moved your reserves. He's like, no, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, your stomach literally just pushed your reserves into contact with <laughs> me. Yeah. So... That's a problem. So let's make sure we, we cover that skip. Just and just because Dave, that double XL is called gamer large, <laughs> doesn't mean that that you it, you need, you should buy the large. You can't fit in. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah, it's it's a problem. So I'll make sure to diet this week so that that, that doesn't happen. No, you, you you're slim, Jason. I don't think you have to worry about that. These guys were some of them were yeah. robust. So, so and so basically, the idea is you go out to the 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 convention. And we're, we're all over the place today, but whatever. <laughs> Ralph's already like set us back probably 30 minutes with his quiz time. So, uh, so you, you give the speech, then they do a shopping trip where you go through and then basically, uh, you can buy 40% off any of the products at GMT. Plus they've got damaged products that are out of print that you can get for 20% off. So Ralph, what they have like 20 copies of the hunters in there? They did, yeah. So like you can't even get that game. And then Gene has a bunch of games that are called Gene's games. Which are, uh, I guess when he does print runs, he'll, he'll save maybe 60 for himself, and then he sells them for 20% off nice. to the guys. He's like, I'd rather have you buy them from me than, than, uh, get gouged, uh, on eBay by somebody who's gonna charge you double. So, that's very that's cool. Good stuff, yeah. So, but I bought nothing. I bought nothing at the thing. But I'll get into that later. So, the, the downside is you're out at an industrial area, right? So you're stuck in this warehouse. So if you're going to go eat or booze it up, you have to, like, travel to get out there. So yeah, you, you got to get in your car and drive. Though, let, let us point out that because Hanford is so large, right, there are – you can you can get off on one of three exits, and, and you're in Hanford. Right. It, it, everything's, like, five minutes away. Oh, yeah, nothing was far, but it's just that, and, and I ended up being the driver all the time. I don't know how that happened. It's because you have that nice car. No, I did not bring my nice car. Oh. <laughs> Never mind. In fact, to fit everybody in, I had to throw a kid's seat in the back. You had, you had your SUV, though, right? Right, so, yeah, I don't know how I ended up driving. That wasn't very fun, but I even had to drive Mitchell back to his business house. <laughs> it was late. Do you anything else on GMT West? Um, that's a great question. You know, it's it's a it, it, it's a lot. Of, there were there was a lot of cool stuff that you see there, but this time, dude, everyone was you know like in the past they would have like a couple of games of Battlestar Galactica at night, right? I'm like whatever. You know, you want to play your Euro games and and be kind of dumb, whatever, right? I, you know, right. but I don't travel 800, 900 miles to play some Euro games. Mm-hmm. A, I don't really play Euro games anymore. 
and B, you know, you know, it's just like, why would you do that? And this time, dude, nine o'clock in the morning, they're busting out Euro games. There were Euro games everywhere. I was like, dude, this is a war game company. Look at the shelves. These guys make GBOH. No, no, that's, not, that's true. I how come you're not playing a freaking war game? And the crowd is kind of an older grognard crowd. Yeah. Uh, I would say yeah. our guys from the guild there, they're, we had like, the, the guys from the guild were pretty solid guys. Uh, the other crowd was, you know, like Mike Bertolucci was there, he's a cool guy. Uh, I don't know. Bertolucci. 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 Yeah, he's in the guild, isn't he? Yeah. He is? In fact, I talked to him last night. In oh, fact, he, way back. He even told me how to pronounce his fucking name. Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just say Mike B. You're just a dumbass, Dave. Oh. All right. Well, it's not the first time or the last time somebody will tell me that. That's so, right. um, yeah, so it was, the the crowd was, I, it wasn't as much hardcore type gaming. It's not like Consum World at all in scale. I'd say there probably looked like there were 60 guys there. Hmm. That's still they decent. Said, they said there were upwards of 80 or 85, but yeah. Hmm. Anyway. That's it. So, so yeah, not good for boozing. And eating because it's out in the industrial areas, so yeah. And by industrial area, it, he means like the th- three or four warehouses that are there. <laughs> it's like next to an air conditioning repair facility or something. Yeah. And and there aren't and I think and I think GMT's in like two of the t- two of the four warehouses that exist in him. <laughs> All right. So we uh we've got games that we're ready to review. Can we take a break? Oh yeah, of course. I need I need to refill and yeah, just uh, stop recording. I guess uh, I will do that. In other words, that's that. I see. I, okay, it's the one you po- you posted about. No, I mean I was thinking about. I thought it was maybe um, an older an older set of books, but now I I have not read that. It's good. I mean, I got the first one, and then it just you keep going. I think I bought six. Are you reading it? Reading it? Well, I'm reading it on Kindle. My <clears throat> a buddy of mine just got them on um, Audible and. He gave me his Audible password, so I'm right. gonna I'm gonna listen to them. What's Audible? Uh, it's audiobooks. So that's not reading. I, I know, but I'm no, but you said reading, reading it. I mean, reading, I'm reading it. I I will not. Did read we need it. to say reading twice? <laughs> I will listen to it. I will not read it. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's weird because then it would seem like the person who's reading it to you might color your impressions of the book. Yeah, that's okay. What do they? How do they read the parts where the people talk? Do they do like like I do when I read them at Kitsune? Like, oh, I didn't know there. Some people do that, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, you've never listened to an audiobook? No, never. Are you kidding? Who are you talking to? <laughs> of course, I've never listened to an audiobook. I I used to listen to audiobooks during my commute, right? It's, yeah. And it's I picked I picked all history stuff, right? Because it's that way you don't get into the are they going to have funny are they going to have to do funny voices and stuff? Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean. The, 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 Seriously, the worst. Do, they, do they say the voice? I mean, do they have to act out the parts? Some of them do. Not all of them, though. Like, I listen to all that Harry Potter books. And he he does. He, he does a good job, but he does all the voices and stuff. But mostly I listen to, like, business books. And all that Who's he? Stuff. Do you have, like, a particular guy that you like to listen to his audiobooks? The, the narrators? The Harry Potter ones are Jim Dale. Um, but no, I don't follow... Readers, I don't, I don't know what I, just, I don't know what you would call them, but they're called readers. Yeah, readers. Basically, yeah, sure. an actor, right? They're acting out like a voice actor, something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Voice actor, yeah. 
Yeah, I know. My my mom. You know, here, here you go, Jason. My seventy five year old mom loves to loves audiobooks, and she and she follows certain readers. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I'm sure she does. That's so bizarre. So, there you go. I'm just I'm just comparing Jason to you know, an old lady. <laughs> You're not the first. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not blind, so I actually read books. So. I I read yeah. them also, but I have an hour commute each way, so I. I don't. There's only so many wargaming podcasts I I can listen to. Right, driving and reading also very difficult. Too. I try to not do it. I have seen people doing it in traffic. I've oh, seen yeah. people with a book. Yeah. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh my god! I, so I'm taking a different route to work now. There's a, it's a highway, not a freeway, that goes almost directly from my house to about the midway point to my work. I work <clears throat> 50 miles door to door from my house to my office. Mm-hmm. Which is about to change to 30 miles, but, um, so I'm trying this new way. I was, and uh, this highway has, uh, traffic lights every so often. So I'm stuck at a traffic light and I'm just kind of paying attention to my surroundings and I look in my rearview mirror. The guy behind me is driving a pickup truck and he kind of makes a funny face, reaches down comes back up with like a Tupperware thing, vomits into it, puts it back down, <laughs> makes another face, picks it back up, vomits into it again, and then puts like if you're if you're vomiting, don't you just stay in bed and crawl into a corner? I mean, what's, what's up with the funny face? And, and he was dressed like he was going to work. Wow. Dude, maybe he was coming from work. Right? Maybe he was coming from work. Maybe he had spent all night. It's it's an old highway. It's US sixty. Um, there's a lot of strip bars along it. Maybe yeah. he spent oh spent yeah, sure. strip all night and, out, and yeah. now he's heading home because yeah. he's, it's time to crawl Sweating crawl out. back inside the bottle, right? Okay, so I just opened up the Rogue Hazelnut Brown Nectar. Mm-hmm. It smells great. It's good. Good. All right. I don't know if I'm supposed to drink this out of the bottle because it's a giant bottle, but whatever. Dude, that's the best kind because it makes you look like a total boozer. <laughs> well, my neighbors will see me through the window. That's going to be that. Okay, hey, let me. Can I do the first review just no. because, as usual, I like to get it done first no, because I, I feel I like... need to do mine. Or else we're going to run into another existent plane scenario. (laughs) It's good. It's all about traffic control. (laughs) We need to clear all the runways. Jason's coming in for his review. All right, Jason, go ahead. So I'm going to talk about Ambush. And I, Dave, you recommended it to me. Or recommended me. I thought you would really like it. Have you played it? No, I just had seen reviews of it, and it's. I thought that based on what I'd seen, that that game was something that you would enjoy. Ralph, have you played it? No, no. Oh wow! I thought both of you guys would have played it. All right, so I'm going to be out on an island here. So Ambush is a squad-based solitaire World War II game. Um, I have very little interest in World War II, but I'm actually, I have. I think now more World War II games than anything other than Vietnam games, but um, I thought you were going to say something. So more of them exist than anything else. This is true. So yeah, um, I got it in trade for my uh, failed Where There's Discord experiment. <laughs> I got ambushed in uh, one of the expansions and. 
uh, right on Saint Nazaire. So ambush, I busted out about a month dude. Ago. That's a good trade. You got raid on Saint Nazaire with that? Yeah, yeah. So I got that's a, that's a good trade. about a hundred and six. Well, no, about two hundred dollars worth of games for the hundred and thirty I spent. So yeah, not a bad investment. Um, so I was kind of hesitant to start playing this game. The rulebook is long-ish. It's uh, 40 pages, which is at the upper end of what I want to read. Um, but Dave, on your prodding last episode, I sat down and read them, and the rules are actually very well written. Um, everything's laid out in a way that makes sense. Uh, it's not programmed learning for the most part. Uh, the only thing that's programmed is the campaign game and the vehicles. And by programmed, I mean, like, here's movement, so play a scenario with movement, and then here's this part of combat, play a scenario with that, and then keep adding rules on. I don't, I don't like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to know how to play the game and sit down and play the game. Yeah, I didn't even know it had vehicles, to be honest. It, it does. It has tanks um, and jeeps and, and such. Um, is, that, is that a victory game? Uh, yes. And this is the one that shows the guys kind of uh, bouncing around on the Jeep as, like, explosions are happening. Exactly. Yeah, there's a guy kind of with a M60 pointed out the back. It, and it's it's like a cartoon on the cover. The game's actually fairly serious. Um, it's not that comical, although I guess it does have some, some humor built into it. But, so, in essence, um, the game is broken down into two parts. There's operations and there's actions. Uh, during operations, it's when there's no enemies on the map and you're just kind of walking around. Uh, each new hex you enter, or each hex you enter, you have to check on a chart. Uh, you, you check the hex you're in, it's going to give you a paragraph, then you look in the paragraph book, find that paragraph, read it, and determine what happens. That sounds very dull. Um, and I knew that ga- I knew that about this game, and so that was another part of what kind of hindered me from it is that kind of repetitive nature kind of turns me off from stuff. It's actually brilliant. It really works very well to pull you into the whole thing with these little actions of each hex you enter. You kind of have to think about um, de- depending on the hex you're in. Uh, if, if something had happened where maybe there was a potential for a sighting happening, you know, you can kind of deduce what hex is going to be better if you're trying to avoid actions, which hex would be better if you're trying to engage the enemy. So you're making these, uh, hex checks for each, each, you're making these paragraph checks for each hex you enter, uh, when you, so it's kind of just free movement. You don't really have to keep track of anything except the hexes. And you have to do that for every person on your squad, which, again, sounds tedious, but it, it works really smoothly, really well. Then when you engage the enemy, either through an event or a paragraph, uh, you enter actions, and then you kind of have to keep track a little bit more of what's going on. Um, there's initiative between uh, the player and the Germans. Uh, who goes first? how many turns they get per or per turn. Um, and, and there's still some of that action movement or uh, paragraph checks and on, on the action rounds for every move. Um, the combat is very straightforward. 
it's it's there the the counters are uh, generic because you keep track of all the stats on a separate piece of paper. The Germans counters are also generic. Um, they're pulled through cards in the game, so you have a card that matches the the paragraph will say. Um, you know, pull Germans 95, 96, and 97. Those will tell you which German chits to pull out and what their stats are for each, for each one of those. So, so Jason, so like the, when you say you pull a generic chit, it's like, uh, a chip might be like, uh, it's ABC. Like three German guys with a Panzerfaust? Or no, what? each, each chit is one soldier. Okay. Um, the Germans are like, um, K through Z and, the the soldiers you're running are A through H, and there's a generic I and J. Um, for some scenarios, like a paratrooper, you'll come across a an American paratrooper or a pilot that crashes or something like that. Okay. Um, so that's what those are for. That's kind of cool. <clears throat> um, so, and again, I don't like games where you have to keep track of a lot of stuff on paper. I I like more intuitive systems. Um, all that said, this game is absolutely wonderful. Um, the, the scenarios are, they're not programmed, but it's very much scenario one is pretty straightforward in what you're trying to do, um, and how to achieve it. Scenario two gets a little bit more complex, um, and, and that starts to add the vehicles, um, you, you can play either straight through the scenarios on the campaign game using a squad that you build, uh, and then between you either upgrade or replace, or do both, actually. So you can take a squad through all of the scenarios, or you can play each scenario individually. I chose to play uh, the campaign. I, I didn't get all the way through the campaign. I played, um, I think, three scenarios uh, with one squad. <clears throat> so the first scenario you play, depending on how you do, if you win or lose, depends on how much kind of experience points, for lack of a better term, that the squad gets going into the next scenario. And then you, you go into the next scenario kind of knowing what your mission is. You choose weapons. And you kind of outfit your guys depending on um, what what weapons you buy, what they're good at. Um, so the skills are like initiative, uh, the initiative helps during the action rounds when you're engaged with the enemy. The initiative will help uh, you go before the enemy. Perception helps on uh, seeing things during the, the checks. A paragraph will say, you know, a soldier that can see U7, make a perception check, you roll a D10, see if they can actually see what's happening there. Now, so, are, there, are there different maps for each scenario? Um, there's two maps, um, but they're used differently in each scenario because okay. each scenario has a separate card that you slip into this folder thing to do your paragraph checks. Okay, so, so that's it's something like a, kind of like a, almost like what, like a programming card. Yeah, it's like a it's like a punch card almost. It's called um, computer it's, card, like yeah, in. yeah, or like a. Um, is it Stratomatics? Where it has oh, yeah, sure. like the, the card. So this has uh, a bunch of numbers on it that you then slide into this folder, and then the folder has a cutout for uh, 
all of the different numbers on the hex, and so you you check. It's a it's a row on the card for the number, and then the folder has the letter for the hex. So you so just you, kind so of cross reference. You might you might get the same result though in the book. Um, it see from the three I played, I don't think I got. Okay. Other than other than the a lot of the German actions are you know try to shoot the thing closest to you. So I think those paragraphs are pretty generic, but mm-hmm. the the hex events are are pretty unique. Now, did you cheat and read through the paragraph? No, not at all. If, oh, so you didn't go to see if there's anything cool in there? No, no. I because <clears throat> I've heard there's some pretty cool paragraphs in there, and I've heard there's some that aren't even referenced in the game, which is kind of interesting. Uh, I don't, I don't want to know, even though I wouldn't remember playing. That's cool. Um, Good for you. <laughs> they used they used to do that in some of the old computer games, right? Where you would you would flip to a, a, a paragraph n- number, right? <clears throat> and say, look at paragraph one hundred, and they would they would put fake stuff in there so that you couldn't tell what was real and what wasn't. Hmm. I think there might be some of that in here. Yeah, that's what you were. <laughs> There's also things like just your imagination or the soldier sees a bird flying by. So even you know you're in this really tense situation, you make a perception check. You you hit it. You're all excited, like yeah, I'm gonna get these guys. You know, I'm gonna, <clears throat> I'm just kind of creeping through the woods. I'm about to fall upon some Germans and really get going. Oh, it's just a bird. You know, like stuff like that. It's it's that building up of tension, easing it off. It it really does a good job of of getting you engaged in the story of what your soldiers are doing, uh, having you kind of in there. Yeah. I thought you'd really, I thought it'd really appeal to you. So I thought that's why I thought it was something you'd really like. Yeah, way, way more than I expected to. I, so between scenario two and three, I had to take a break. Uh, scenario two didn't end well for me. Oh, so you did morning? Could you yeah. Wear a black shirt so, to work? <laughs> <laughs> so four of my eight guys died and I was mad. I was, my, I was like, what's wrong with you? I, did you cry? Just I don't want to, I didn't, I didn't cry. But I, I definitely drank. <laughs> <laughs> I poured a little out. That's, that's the advanced after combat solution. Buries deep down inside. Deep down, never to, never to down. ever come back again. Can't roll a tear. Never um, talk about it again. <laughs> I, I named all my guys after characters in Philip Dick novels, so it, it was even harder to see them go. Like Rick, Rick Deckard died in Scenario 2. Um, he's the main character from Blade Runner. Um, or the, the novel. Um, but, <clears throat> so it really ties you in to what's going on with these guys and it makes you pay attention to actual tactics. Um, it, in my first go round of scenario one, there's a, on, on map A, there's a, a road that kind of cuts through the map. So I get on, and a lot of games, especially solitaire games, don't really force you to do things that you would actually do in the military. Um, so I know like, a like, little... Like not walk down a danger zone? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm that's what I'm used to. I play a lot of solitaire games, and they let you do dumb stuff. So we, <laughs> like, well, the road is faster to move on, and we're a little bit raised, so I can see anything that's going on. So I get like three action rounds in. And just half the crew, half the crew's dead, just right off the bat. Like, Alright, let's start over. Let's actually think about what we're doing. Let's take this a little bit more seriously. Um, so I rebuilt the squad. 
um, started the scenario over again. So would you get ambushed by like a German squad or something? Yeah, and there was a sniper in a building and uh, just took the guys out. Wow. Yeah, I don't even think I knew where they were shooting from um, for a couple actions. So if that's awesome, if there are solitaire gamers listening to this who think this is something they might possibly be interested in, maybe even not interested in. Like I said, I, I, this is a game a lot of people talked about, uh, a lot of people love, but so is where there is Discord. So I was very, very hesitant to get into this thing. It's very easy to learn despite the 40 pages of rules. Uh, it's really easy to play despite all of the paragraph checks and all of that. It A scenario takes about four hours, but you can sit down play, you know, a couple turns, you don't really have to track what's going on because each time you sit down, it's it's very apparent what's going on. Um, great game. Loads of fun. Uh, detailed enough to keep me interested. Uh, engaging enough to kind of pull me into the story, not overloaded in rules. Everything really makes sense. There was nothing in the game that really made me think, well, you know, that that really doesn't seem like it would happen that way or it it doesn't make sense or I don't agree with that. If anything comes up that you don't really agree with, you just make a judgment call and move on. Um, And and now, Jason, did you say you got the expansion also, Battle Him? No, Battle Him is a different game. It's the the Pacific Theater. Okay. I got... um, I don't have my glasses on, so I can't see. Move Out? (laughs) (laughs) Move Out is the... Kickstarter first expansion. Actually, I just got new glasses. I just don't have them on. Although that would be a nice Kickstarter. It's Dude, nice. I just got fitted. Nice I just had to go on a. I had my first uh, eye exam today. Your first? Never been. I had an eye, like a full blown eye exam today. Pretty pretty weird experience. Did they blow the air in your eye? Well, they had to do the dilation. Oh, I hate that. It's fucking ridiculous. I go every two years. Anyway, that was a fascinating, uh, so, so, okay, so ambush, uh, good stuff. One to ten for fun. You obviously loved it. Uh, nine for fun. Uh, beers? Beers, uh, probably up, up around twelve. It's, bring your, it's, bring it's, your reading glasses? Yeah. Well, no, I can, I, <laughs> it, bring your reading glasses, yes, but it's, it's one of those games that you can sit down even pretty loaded, um, as long as you can tell what hex you're in. <laughs> it's pretty evident from there what to do. Um, so it's probably up around the, the 10 scale for beers too. It's, it's almost the perfect solitaire game. Okay, good. Well, uh, was that fairly coherent? That was coherent. You're good. Right. I can tell you're a little buzz, but you're doing fine, buddy. Hang in there. Yeah. I have, I have a quick question. Sure. Jason, you said you bought, you like you bought equipment for your dudes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, based on kind of what the mission. So if, if like, is it like, hey, I know that we're going into this town, so I'm gonna get, I'm gonna like, maybe instead of all these rifles and stuff, I'm gonna, I'm gonna maybe get some submachine guns, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. um, you have a, a squad rating, um, each of your guys kind of has a rating based on your initial die roll, uh, so you, you tally that, and then you roll a die, you cross-reference a chart, that's gonna give you a number of weapons points you get, um, so like scenario one, I had 48 points to spend. You can spend that on the guns, but you have to also have to buy ammo, um, 
you know, reloads for each of your guys. You have to buy grenades, satchel charges, that kind of thing. So depending on if you, if you're in tight quarters and you kind of, I think one of the scenarios I knew there was going to be a tank. Um, so I bought a couple satchel charges for my guys, kind of expecting to be able to use it. Um, but it's, it's based on a die roll against your squad points. So the, actually the worse your squad is, the more weapons points you get, you get. Okay. Um, and then, and then you, you spend them as you see fit. Cool. Yeah, it's, and again, it's kind of, it has a little bit of that RPG element to it of, you know, gearing your guys up. Sure. In, in each scenario as it goes along, if they do, um, heroic things or special things, you know, killing Germans or wounding Germans or finding objectives or anything like that, you kind of tally that up too and you, are supposed to give them more points at the end of the scenario to build them up as you go along. Because during the campaign, you get points to build them up so they can have, you know, more weapon skills or more perception or whatever as they yeah. get battle-hardened. Cool. Are, are you done grilling him, Ralph? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, just, yeah. Well, that was right on point. Hey, so... uh we we had a guy who basically had had some comments about the podcast and and you know, had some reviews and and I it was I just wanted to mention it because at some point in the in his comments he said like basically hey I want to thank you guys for your service as veterans and this was like a continuing thing that he would say every time it'd be like thank you for your service uh, I just wanted to take the time to to mention that uh, Jason was actually in a combat theater. I was never in a combat theater. <laughs> That's so all right. For me, no, but like, it, it, there is a difference because like my injuries, I have some disabilities that I suffered from the military. One of them was, uh, being involved in a bar fight, breaking my thumb, <laughs> punching a guy, and then I dropped an ironing board on my toe after I finished ironing my uniform and I had to have my toenail removed. So That's those are my hardcore. disabilities. Yeah, right. So, so really strong disabilities that I've carried through from my service. <laughs> Um, but I was never in combat. So, like, when we go to, like, SeaWorld or something, and, and like, we, we were at SeaWorld, and they're like, all veterans, stand up. And my wife is like, are you going to stand up? I'm like, fuck no, I'm not standing up. Oh, you're like, not stand up. No, I'm like, there's guys, like, fought in Iraq and Afghanistan. I'm not going to stand up with these guys. <laughs> like, so, I don't, I don't stand up. I was just, but, like. You got to stand just, up. Just to be clear. Stand up for me. Jason fought. Jason, I assume, I don't know what kind of combat Jason saw or whatever, but Jason was actually in combat zone. That's not combat. I was in Korea for a year. I was in Fort Lewis for three years. Um, and frankly, well, I mean, I should, sucks, so I should be you should thanking, stand up for that. I should be thanking you guys <laughs> because, hey, thanks for paying for my college education. <laughs> so don't thank me for but, my service. But it, that can never stop because when I got back from Iraq, um, my ex at the time, or my wife at the time, my ex now, <laughs> was working uh, for one of the tax places. So she had pe- customers who were World War II veterans who would come mm-hmm. up, oh, thank you for your service. Like, dude, I had the internet. I had phone. Like, no, yeah, I, I, I saw combat, and I got shot at, and I shot. But at the end of my patrol or whatever, I got to come back to a base with internet and, you know. I mean, did I risk my life... Uh, going through a sexually transmitted disease infested yes. ville yes, of Anjung Ri outside Camp Humphreys. Yes. yes. Every night I was off duty, I risked my life out there. <laughs> uh, but I never saw it coming. So, so my, my general point is like, you know, 
Yeah, great. I, I volunteered for the military. I wasn't drafted. Uh, Jason is a combat veteran. We have, a, there's a lot of other guys there who've really been in combat. I mean, frankly, uh, I was an officer in the army. I, looking back, I think I was a terrible officer. Uh, I don't, I don't believe that. I was way too friendly with my guys, way, way too, uh, uh, I just familiar with them. Like I had a, I had a staff sergeant named Iverson. I remember we were in Korea and I went and we were walking through his room. I was going up to talk to him about something in the barracks and he had a bunch of war games. So we started playing war games in Korea. Uh, but because they had this whole fraternization thing, mm. Iverson would actually have to sneak in to the yeah. POQ with a war game. And we would play it. And even as we were playing, I'd be like, he would call me. Sir, and I call him Sergeant Iverson. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're drinking beers, playing, and we'd be like, "Hey, Sergeant Iverson, that's funny." That's, that's pretty messed up, Dave. I mean, like illicit wargaming hookups. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> it's exactly the black market wargaming. Wargaming after dark. Just, just to show you, like, what kind of officer I was. Uh, I remember once we were out in Camp Humphreys, and uh, I was at the MP station, and I was working late nights. It was the night shift. And my guys were all out, whatever, there's nothing going on in Camp Humphreys. And frankly, as a military installation, uh, the second the North Korean special operation, they would have overrun that place mm-hmm. in about five seconds. But So we're out there, and uh, you have a front gate, and then you have the MP station, which is across the street inside the post, where, like, the MP desk is and the jail cells are and all that stuff. So as the MP duty officer, I was basically kicking back with Sergeant Iverson, and uh, I look under the desk of the MP desk, and there's a button there. So I said, uh, hey, what, Sergeant Anderson, what's that button? He goes, I don't know, maybe you should press it, sir. <laughs> so I looked at it, and now I'm a brand new second lieutenant. I've probably been in Korea for about four months. Nice. Uh, but I think I'm all salty. Like, I, I, Korea's only a year tour, so after four or five months, you think yeah. you've been there. You're, you're old OG there. Hardened. So in, in, in my own defense, I mean, this is a wood panel with a black button on it with no label whatsoever as to what it might possibly trigger. <laughs> so Iverson looks at me, and I'm like, okay. So I reach down, and it's probably about 1 in the morning. I press the button. So to understand what happens when I press the button, uh, Camp Humphreys is a small installation uh, that's connected, basically the village is built up onto it. So Anjongri is a decent town of maybe like 10,000, 15,000 that's now up against the front of the, the village, or up against the front of the installation. So when you get stationed in Korea, uh, it's considered a hardship assignment, so you aren't necessarily allowed to bring your family members with you to Korea. If you choose to do so, you can maybe live off post, and have your family live down in Anjongri, uh, and, and then you work it out, whatever you come into the installation each morning. So the, the dilemma presented to the military is you've got a bunch of soldiers who are basically living off the installation. So you need an early warning system that will alert them to the fact that the war with North Korea has started, and they need to pack up their belongings and immediately flee onto the installation. It turns out that that early warning <laughs> system <laughs> is triggered by the fucking button. Yeah. <laughs> With no label on it? Nothing. So I press the button. Oh, that's awesome. 
and the button is like one of these old air raid sirens. It starts to wind up. So it starts, I, I push it all the way in. I can almost see it like slow motion, like push. And then I hear, <laughs> and I'm suddenly, I take my finger off the button. I'm like, what the fuck? And then I can just hear, <laughs> this fucking air raid siren is running. And I'm like, Oh my god. And at this point, Iverson's laughing his ass off, right? Oh, Iverson has fallen out of his chair, and it's <laughs> yes. hysterical. I'm like, yes. my Katusa, my Katusa, uh, de- desk clerk who would type is already preparing to flee for, for the south. He's sure if war starts, he's already evacuating. He's running. He's already ready to desert. He's, he's already changing out of his U.S. uniform, <laughs> putting on civilian clothes. Yeah. So I'm like, oh my god. So I just realized, and the sirens went, oh, but the problem with these sirens is once they get wound up, Hell yeah. they take forever to wind down. So I'm sitting like, oh my God, and it's going, oh. <laughs> so I'm like, how loud is that? And Iverson is no help because he's like hysterical on the floor. He's not help. So I have my hat off. I'm running around. I run outside. I'm like, I got to hear how loud this thing is. And it's like, oh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, they're going to fire me. I'm going to lose my job. I'm only going to lose that. Like, oh. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm never going to be able to do this. What am I going to do? <laughs> and even like 10 minutes later, the siren's still going, oh. It took like 45 minutes for this fucking siren to wind up. Oh, and still, crazy. it's still going, oh. Stops. The funniest thing, no one came from downtown. (laughs) Because they're used to dumbasses like you. Second lieutenants. Nobody packed their stuff up. Nobody came back. I was like, oh. Yeah, that's me. That's my my my, uh, air raid siren story is a lot different. I when we were in Baghdad, we would hear like he, you know, watching movies, you know what mortars sound like. You hear the, the thunk and then the explosion. So we were kind of parked out on the perimeter of, of the air base we were attached to. <clears throat> and we're sleeping on our cots and you hear the thunk. And then you wait for it. And then you hear an explosion. And then you hear the minigun, miniguns on the, on the guard towers wind up. <clears throat> and you just, Pick up your flak jacket and put it on top of you and go back to sleep because mortars are one of those things like, what do you do? You know, you yeah, can't see the guy. It's going to hit you or it's not. Just go back to sleep. Many guns are going to get your back no matter what. Yeah, so that's what I'm talking about. So Jason's the one you guys should be coming. <laughs> Don't compliment me on my service. Thank you very much. I slept through it all. All right. So that's it. I just wanted to touch on that oh, because I was all- Horrible officer. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention before I forget it. Uh, this is a book recommendation. We're kind of out of it, but some of you guys might have been, be new to wargaming, might not be as familiar with military history. And I wanted to recommend one book that you could get that is a great book that if you're interested in history or military history is you need to read Flashman. <laughs> I have not, I'm not a Victorian history guy. I'm not, but Flashman is uh, basically like kind of written as a form of memoirs of one of the most repulsive is it fiction. Yes. Yes. Flashman. Well, is it? Is it? Flashman. Yes. Is it? Or maybe it isn't. George MacDonald well, Fraser. 
Yes. yes. Flashman is the most repulsive, self-motivated, uh, egotistical anti-hero you will ever see. And you won't appreciate it until the first time he does something like kick a beautiful young lady into a pit full of crocodiles to save his own life. Or yes. stab someone in the back. <laughs> but he always comes out on top. He always wins the victorious cross. Uh, it's a, it's a, and, and basically to get a feel for it, you should buy the first book, which is called Flashman. Is it Flashman? I think yes. it's Flashman. It's not Flashman. No, it's Flashman. I think it's <laughs> but he, you have to say it faster. He, he meets up with all these uh, historical characters. There's tons of footnotes on all this actual history. So he basically adventures through history. Like he runs into Bismarck, and Bismarck immediately sees Flashman for who he is, which is a double dealing, scum sucking bastard. And so Flashman, of course, hates Bismarck because Bismarck knows him for for what he really is. Um, so just. He basically has, there's a ton of books, there's maybe a dozen of them, but I would say get the Flashman book, the first one, read it, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, even if you're not interested in that particular period of Victorian history, um, it's a great read, and the guy is completely despicable, but you'll end up kind of loving him in the end. What do you think, Ralph? You've read it? You know, I read like one of them a long, long time ago, and I, and I saw the movie, which is absolutely wretched, but gives you a kind of an overview of it. Don't read the movie. Read the no, book. Don't. Don't, 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 watch don't read the script of the movie. But. Yes. No, it was, it was, it's funny because, you know, he does, he does, you know, like he gets some, he like gets the Victoria's Cross because he, he's like, um, he like pretends to be dead as, as they get overrun and like he covers himself with a flag to hide. And when they find him, they think that, you know, they think that he's like, you know, the, the, he's the sole survivor kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a, I recommend it. Honey. Read, read the first one. I think you'll enjoy it. So yeah. that's it. From my so Ralph, you have a uh, game review. I do. I do. I, I'm. Uh, it's actually two games that use pretty much the same system. It's uh, an old GDW. Uh, they're old. There are two old GDW uh, sci-fi games: um, Dark Nebula and Imperium, uh, which were uh, made a long, long time ago <laughs> <laughs> in the seventies and eighties, right? Before I was born. <clears throat> that. Could indeed be. It is. That's true. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, that's why my that's why my back hurts, right? Because I'm old. (laughs) Um, You know, so um, they're they they're completely they're they're two player games. It's about um, two like interstellar empires in conflict over, uh, you know, over like a some section of space. in uh, Imperium, it's a, uh, it's the, it's like the, the human section of space, and they've got the, a printed, you know, like a printed map, it's all one big map. Um, in Dark Nebula, you take eight little geomorphic sections and you draw them at random, and the players make the map, mm-hmm. so that you don't end up with, you know, this, it would be hard to end up with the same game twice, particularly as often as you're gonna play it. Um, which is kinda cool, it's kind of a cool concept. Um, you know, you got the, you know, you have, uh, in Imperium, they use like big 5 8 inch counters, um, with like starships, ground units, and like kind of markers. Um, you know, kind of the standard stuff. And the, the, mar- the, the, you know, Dave would probably not care for the, uh, the, um, the counters because they're like, they're like little, the, the starships are all done in silhouette. Like they're, um, like, like a little ship recognition manual, like you can see them from above kind of thing. Yeah, I think I used to actually, I think I've owned Imperium before. 
I wouldn't be surprised because it's, it's, it was, you know, they made a lot of them. It's, it was a popular game back in the day. Um, and Dark Nebula used like little tiny half inch counters and they only get, it was part of the GW 120 series. So you've mm-hmm. got 120 counters, kind of like the 40 series from, uh, from Victory mm-hmm. Point games, <laughs> except with production value. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. backhand slap. That's the rough backhand slap. Like there you it. go. Um, you know, and so they're, um, you know, the, the, <laughs> you, you know, the, uh, the counters have like three values, um, for starships, and a lot of it is, is starship combat. Um, because your, you have your beam weapons, your missile, and, uh, weapons, uh, rating, and your screen rating. And there's, you know, a chart, there's a, there's a chart that you compare the beam rating to the, uh, the shield value of, of the, of the ship that you, you're shooting at. Um, you know, and the, the attacker, the defender pushes forward a ship and the attacker kind of match, you know, puts, pushes forward right. a ship. Um, and it starts at long range, combat does. So the missiles are important because only missiles can shoot at long range. And then there's a die roll to see if you can switch, if you, and then the player who wins the die roll gets to choose the range. And then at short range, you can change the short range where it's beam weapons and missiles can fire at half. Was this um, the one that had the premise that it's like a human empire against an old empire? Essentially, like an imperial. They're trying to react, like. Yep. It's a governor trying to fight, like an imperial governor trying to fight, basically a a young Soleimani or Soul Empire. Exactly. Trying. Okay. Yep. Soleimani. Showing my traveler roots there. You're showing your traveler roots exactly because that's because it's it's it is the traveler universe, right? Soleimani Uh, versus Velani. Right. Versus the, the Velani, exactly. Whereas the um, the Dark Nebula is the uh, the Soleimani versus the Aslan. Nice. For for those of you who, which is like the cat race, for those of you who uh, who like the who like the traveler stuff, um, who are rocking it old school there. Yeah. The traveler um, was awesome. Traveler was a lot of fun back in the day, right? You could you could have more fun making a character who never actually survived to, for you to be able to play with. That's right. Exactly. Oh, he and died he, as I was trying to develop him. <laughs> oh, he was he was a, he got to be captain and then he got killed in this war. Yeah, yes, that was a great game. It was it was a lot of fun. Um. So yeah, the uh, you know the so that so combat and beam weapons are more effective than missile weapons um, in general, but you you might not get to use them because you only get to use them at short range, um, and it, you might never get there if you if you roll very poorly a lot. Um, and ships you can move in one turn because it's several years of time, right? You can go, you know, there, the, it has the jump routes, right? So you go from you have routes from star to star. Or routes in, in case, depending on where you're from. And the, um, you know, you, uh, you, you, you can, your starship can move as, mu- as far as it wants. And the rules are a little vague. They're very, sm- they're very short. Uh, you know, they're, they're like 12 pages long. And the, um, but the rules are a little vague on, you know, they, they don't have, because they're old time, they don't, you know, say things like, you know, you can move, once you move a ship, you can't, you know, you have to finish its move, you know, or a stack, you know, they just, it's just, Kind of random, you know. It just—it's very um, non-specific. Do they, do they assume that you're going to use common sense or stuff like that? Or? They do. They assume they assume that you're going to use common sense, but you get into questions That's like dangerous. Yeah, if I move this ship, I mean, it's supposed to be several years. If I move the, a turn is several years. If I move this ship, can I move some other ships and then move that ship again? Question unanswered, right? Mm. Um, which made it, and because you can. There, are, it, you can you as you can keep going with your movement until you run into enemy combat ships with a, a, a one you know a, a, a non-zero combat rating of some kind. 
Or sounds like they had a terrible developer on that game. <laughs> it does sound like they like they needed to develop it a little bit more, exactly, um, because the questions aren't answered, right? Um, or you run into these tertiary systems that actually don't have um, planets, and so you have to take a, a tanker. You have one tanker. You have to take the tanker in, and then it can refuel ships and, and keep them and and have them so they continue moving, right? But it, it's important because when I played it recently, we had two of those tertiary systems side by side. And so the question came up, well, can I, got, I get one tanker counter. Can I move my tanker into this first system with a bunch of ships, you know, have it fuel them up and then move them on? Or is my tanker stuck there, you know, after right. its movement? Hmm. Um, because then we can only go one more, one more thing. And we, we played for hours and really never got anywhere because of that problem. Right, because of the, uh, the... Is that the one where you just roll a die and if it's even, it's one way, if it's odd, it's the other? Well, you know, we, we just kind of said, we just kind of talked about it and we we said, you know, let's just let it move so that we can have, actually fight, right? Right. But it was, you know, it was, it was kind of a bummer and I was probably, it was, it was probably going to inexorably crush my opponent, but we ended up with like only four, four or five, four of the maps, right? From, uh, because once you get a certain configuration, then once you get enough certain things out, you stop making the map in Dark Nebula, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of it's kind of it's kind of weird because then there's there were whole sections of the map where just you couldn't go. Mm-hmm. But I had a little I had a little bit more like um, uh, stuff I could like you know planets that I could use to make things on my side. So I was probably going to crush him eventually. It was just going to take a long, 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 long time. Um, and Dark Nebula, you play it's like one war of between the two groups, the two empires. And it just goes until somebody wins. Whereas Imperium, the cool part about Imperium was that there was this glory track, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you start start in the middle at five. At zero, the Empire, the Imperium loses. At ten, the the um, the Imperium wins. So the, and, the premise is generally the governor's trying to handle this problem without having to notify. The, the, home, the home office. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. He's 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 trying to he's trying to take care of this all by himself, right? Right. Um, and you can spend glory to go appeal to the emperor because you can't build certain classes of ships. Now the Terrans, they can do whatever they want, right? But the the you know the the the, gov- the governor can only produce uh, because the the shipyards are off the big for the, the capital ships are off in the heart of the empire. He can only produce smaller ships locally, so he has to go get permission to essentially spend his resources to buy those big ships. Mm-hmm. And so you could appeal to the emperor to get those, right? But that's cool. cost you glory. And every turn, um, the glory track shrinks. So on after t- turn one, you know, you won it, you, you lost at zero, you won at ten as the empire. And turn two, right, you lost at one, you won at nine. And so that after like eight turns, um, if it's at five, the Terran wins. So it kind of it kind of forced the the it made it made it very it forced things into a to a conclusion right, and then you could play a campaign where you, you that was that was the, the the governor or his replacement it says right sued for peace and you know and and so the the, the, the battle stopped, uh, but then you could play a series of wars, and there was rule there's rules for um, like building between the. Um, the wars, and the kind of the funny part is, the player that lost the war gets his full production between the war, and you can roll to see how long it's going to, the, how many turns of production and stuff you get. Sure. And the player who won the war only gets half because they're kind of resting on their laurels, thinking, "Hey, we're badass. We, you know, right. we won." 
It's like a handicap. Like a handicap, exactly. Which it it made it it made it pretty cool because you could play you know game after game after game. That's cool. Yeah, yeah I, I I like the, I like that aspect of the the first Imperium game where it was like uh, the the governor's trying to kind of doesn't want to really go back to the emperor and complain. You have this giant empire, and then until it gets too sometimes it gets too bad. The Terrans get too powerful. Yep. Yep. So, I, think I, I think I once roped an, an old girlfriend into playing the game with me. Didn't didn't go well. I was going to say, and she was an ex-girlfriend shortly thereafter, right? Well, yeah, I was not a big fan of the game, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that. Yeah, it's you know, it's a pretty, it's it's not it's not a really tough game to play, but it's you know, unless you unless you dig like sci-fi war games, you're not going to like it at all, because you invade planets, you know, and there's and there's planetary defense things that you can put up that you know that the systems that you can buy and put up that you know shoot at ships that come in. And can you like develop technology and stuff like that? There is no technology now. Mm. No, in Dark Nebula, you can you can explore the these kind of uh, these the, the planets in the nebula, and you might find some technology thing on one of those planets. But it's really rare. So, but so they kind of put a little twist in there. But in, in Imperium, you don't develop technology, so it's it's not like some of those later games like Twilight Imperium. Or any of those where you develop technologies. You know, you've got what you've got. You can, the only thing that you can do is like, you can, you can build, um, like you can't build like your battleships until you build like these, uh, earlier classes of dreadnoughts, right? Um, and so you, ha- you might have to build up these dreadnoughts before you can build a battleship. And battleships are just really badass. The issue is that, and people get, people get complaining online about it, right? Is that everything, if it takes a hit, it blows up. If it gets through its screen, you're done. <laughs> I think Which, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's uh, you know combat's very very brutal. It's awesome. So two games, uh, Imperium and Nebula. Fun yeah. scale, one to ten. You know, I'm 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 pretty tough on games. I'd say it's probably in the about the seven range. Now, are you going to rank them together? Or are they packaged together? Or are we talking? Separate? They're not. They're separate. They're separate games. But you know, I actually I liked. Let's let's say like six for Dark Nebula and seven for Imperium because I like I like Imperium better because it it has I think it has more theme right and you get more you get like three times the number of counters so you can do more. Hmm. Beers. You know, beers. The rules are pretty damn easy. The, there's charts for the combat. I mean, you know, got on your scale. On, on my no, scale, no, no, we're, we're talking regular people's scale, not my scale. Regular people's scale, not not like your scale. Um, you know, it's you could you could probably put down you know six beers or so, and and still be and and be you know you could be pretty pretty drunk and 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 be playing the game. Because Lucas says that after three beers he's drunk. <laughs> Lucas claims to be a lightweight. Y- you know, I, I couldn't. I have not seen. <laughs> you have no <laughs> I, I have not seen Lucas drinking, so I don't know. That was good. You did like the sheep. You know the sheep that just flop over. Like that. You did the sheep move. You're like that was that very move. diplomatic. <laughs> okay, uh, he's, he's not a he's not a huge dude. How about I put it that way? Price points for this. Uh, you know, dude, it's it's pretty cheap. Um, they made a lot of them back in the day, and you know, it's just not it's just not like a, it's not like a, a sought after game. So, like, you can get for like what thirty bucks? Probably thirty or less. Yeah. yeah. Nice. That's good. Yeah, I thought it was a good game. I liked it. I played it back in the day. Yeah. 
back in the day. Uh, it gives me that kind of same feel that maybe I got a little bit from Twilight Imperium. Uh, the Twilight Imperium's steroid version of that, but, yeah. but I, I like, I, I agree. I like the Imperium aspect where the governor has this kind of tension between trying to go back to the emperor or, or handle his business, so. Right. It's interesting. I think I've seen this in a used bookstore and I didn't pick it up because I think on the back of, it was Imperium. I think on the back it said something about Traveler and I have no, no experience with that. You don't have to know anything about the Traveler universe, right? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. It's just this, um, it happens to be the, they made the game, right? And, and some of these other games and they kind of Traveler grew, the Traveler game system kind of grew out of uh, the, the, background for it kind of grew out of the stuff that they'd made for these board games. Oh, so it's the other way around. It's the other way around, yeah. Oh, okay. Because this was originally put out by Conflict Games, which is like uh, some dude named Mark Miller, who's the guy who designed it, you know. That's right. Yeah, and though I would say the Traveler system is a very robust system of background and with all the different races and all that stuff. It had a lot of really cool stuff in it, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, okay, well, uh, I'm going to talk about Decision at Elst, because I have played an advanced squad leader. It's, it seems like Elst game. should be pronounced more fancily. Elst? Yeah. Elst? Elst is the way to pronounce it, but it seems like it's, because it's okay. French, right? Well, it's, isn't it in, it's in Holland, I thought. Wow. It's right after Market Garden, isn't it? How would you pronounce it, Jason? No, Elst is correct. And just oh. reading it is... How about this? Decision <laughs> at else. That's what I needed. <laughs> so, uh, the important part is not where the fuck it is, asshole. It's uh, <laughs> the fact that it's ASL. I'm trying to write this down. Hold ASLSK. On. That's right. You know, and the funny thing is, <laughs> I thought, I'm such a loser. I thought I was playing, I'm like, oh, I'm playing SL. <laughs> and you realize, oh no, you're not. You're playing some other version. <laughs> You got you got training wheels on, but <laughs> I know it's ridiculous. So, but it is well, it is a complete game. It is. A, here's the here's the nice thing. So, uh, ASL skirmish kits are basically out of print. Can't get them. Uh, what Decision of Elst is is a a historical module. For, uh, it's not skirmish kits. It's starter kits. So, uh, Decision of Elst is the uh, historical module for the starter kits. It's a completely uh, enclosed package. The rules, everything you need to play the starter kit version of ASL. Um, and it's basically it comes with like four scenarios. It's got a, uh, a campaign game you can play and, and it's basically the British against the Germans. And it's kind of after market garden has failed. It's like some of the cleanup operations going on in the island. Okay. So Jason, we might've driven armored car companies over some of these areas Last Constant World Expo when we did uh, Devil's Cauldron. I think so. But uh, so generally for me, the way I looked at it was it was going to be a way for me to kind of check out uh, the ASL starter kit since I, I didn't want to pay like off-market prices or out-of-print out of prices for any of the other sets. And basically you can uh, just buy the game, open the box, you're ready to go. It's got the map sheet. It's got the counters for the British and the Germans. It's got a campaign book uh, with special rules for this particular scenario. And then it's got a complete starter kit rule set 
from beginning to end that gives you everything you need to know how to play the game. Um, that being said, uh, this rulebook is not going to uh, spoon-feed you the rules. It is just basically laying them out, and they're dense. So this rulebook is... Let's see how many pages this sucker is. 28 pages long. But what I would do, what I did is, uh, I looked at a couple of the scenarios, and there's one scenario that's called a bend in the road. And it has tanks on one side and a tank on the other. And I looked at it, and I was like, I'm not going to use a vehicle. So I took all the vehicles out of it, and I played it just with the infantry. Hmm. And it gave me a, a mortar unit, a couple machine guns on each side. And I would play a round or a turn. And then uh, Jay Richardson on BGG has made some great walkthrough PDFs that you can follow. Uh, one on infantry, like support weapons, vehicles. So I'd play a turn, and then I would go read through his walkthrough, where he goes step-by-step to reach things you can do. And then I would see what I did wrong, go back. So I think in in combination with uh, Jay's awesome PDFs that he's done, you can kind of get a feel for how the game plays. So that being said, I liked it. I'm enjoying playing it. Uh, I haven't used the vehicles yet. I, I I think the the price I want to say I got it for like fifty something bucks from Cool Stuff Inc. And it was actually a, a tack on because I wanted to get the hundred dollars free shipping, so I just grabbed it. But the nice thing is it kind of gets your uh, your foot in the door for the SL starter kit rules. And while I don't necessarily understand all the vehicle rules, I think it's uh, you can kind of grab it and start playing the infantry stuff and, and get a feel for it without too much effort. So, that's it. And it's ASL. What do you want? And it's ASL. Or at least ASL light, right? Right. ASL started kit. So, yeah. um, there's some cool stuff in it. I would say that the one thing that I like about it is it feels like when you're opening it up, you have a finished set of rules. That this game feels like it's been put through its paces this is how it's going to be. Um, I like the detail. I think while some games will have you uh, in your mind's eye try to figure out what's going on. Oh, when I flip this card, here's what happens. Uh, ASL step-by-step step, takes you through the basic details of what's going on. And so it's usually pretty clear as far as the narrative goes uh, what's happening to your guys. So it is exciting. It does, it does create kind of a compelling adventure as you're playing. I've played ASL in the past, and you're right. It it it's it does lend itself well to that narrative. Did you have an issue with the lack of command and control, or did that not really matter? Well, as you got okay, to okay. So we I've had this conversation with Marshall. And basically, mm-hmm. my my end result is uh, my impression is that Marshall does not know how to play ASL. Okay, so. <laughs> Marshall is okay if he's playing something. It, it's the same way when when he wanted us to be play testers for the uh, greatest day. Mm-hmm. And Marshall's like, "Hey, I got a great idea. We're going to be play testers." And I said, um, "So basically, you say I'm going to read all the rules and then basically run through the entire game for you and do all the." It's like, "Yeah, that's how it goes." So, <laughs> so generally, the way the command and control works, from what I understand, after reading through the rules, is. All the other, most of the leaders are already factored into the system. The, the actual leaders that are on the, the table are exceptional leaders mm. who might motivate motivate guys to maybe move a few more hexes or do better on the morale check. Uh, 
or be able to rally. Even a guy who's like maybe an eight zero leader can still rally guys. So the leaders represented are, are maybe those, those particular leaders who are exceptional. And it is funny because they'll have like a, uh, a colonel who's actually a bad leader. Like field grade yeah. officers, they make like six <laughs> plus ones. Like you want to keep them like far away from the front lines. So that makes sense. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. So there's cool aspects where they have like, Things like uh, where a machine gun is firing down a road as guys are trying to run across, and uh, in, for example, in conflict of heroes, a unit would get to the road, the machine gun would fire, it flips, and then other units can run across the road safely. But in squad, in advanced squad leader, there's residual firepower. So basically, any guy who runs through a hex has to brave the fire that's coming down the road, yeah. regardless of whether that machine gun is still active or not. You put a residual firepower marker down on the hex, and then so it kind of means that guys get attacked by that residual firepower. So I thought some of that stuff was cool. So basically the first time you roll a rally die and like your squad doesn't only break, but it reduces in quality, you're like, oh my god, this is a different kind of game. So. Yeah. Dude, so did they get rid of? They used to have this this concept back a long time ago called fire lanes, where you could. So that's not in that's not in skirmish kit. Okay, started started kit. Yeah, but you, I wonder if they still. I, I wonder if that's it something still, they took it out. Still exists. I think in, still in, in the regular ones, okay? Because because that was so cool. Because then down that road, right? You set up your heavy machine gun at the, at the at the head of the road, right? And you say, yeah, I can shoot anybody who comes across this road, not just that hex. Right. right. Anybody who runs across that road during that whole time, right, which is pretty brutal. Well, and the cool thing too about the game is like, so Jason, have you ever played ASL? No. So, so you have a machine gun, right? So machine guns got, uh, uh, ROF rate of fire of three. So, uh, you roll two dice to shoot the machine gun. As long as the red die is a three or less every time you shoot, it can keep shooting. So a heavy machine gun can just keep blazing away. Indefinitely. As, as long, long as you, you don't rolling. sell it. As long Three as you roll under its RF, yeah. yeah. So, while infantry units, it, it has this cool aspect where you don't really know how long that machine gun's gonna keep drilling you. Yeah. So I thought it was cool. I thought it was very neat how they managed to work so much action into two dice. So. So I'm, I'm a, the I'm a fan. Sniper checks and all that stuff happen Sniper, because of yes. the rolls all that. Sniper, yeah. sniper checks I don't think are in the starter kit. Okay, that's right. Fine. So, I, I don't know what's in there, but there you go. Yeah, some of the stuff like uh, you can drive a tank into a building in starter kit, but they they'll tell you occasionally, like, <laughs> hey, by the way, don't get used to doing that because when you get to ASL, uh, you can fall into the basement or the building might collapse on your tank. Yeah. Uh, so, the one of the complaints I guess has been that players are playing starter kit and not graduating to ASL. So the the grog tards are like. Uh, Irritated by that, and they think like starter kit was supposed to basically be a stepping stone. But to be honest, starter kit's pretty fun, and I don't know if you need to graduate, but if you do, it's there. Well, and part of it is they don't really make it easy to play ASL, right? Right, because if you want to play ASL, you have to play. You have to buy the rule book, the ASL rule book, and the binder. Of course, you have to have the binder. Mm, uh, it's a binder. It's a binder. And how many pages is that binder? Oh, like, yeah, tons. And then you have to yeah, buy. So, say I like want to do book. Russians. If I want to do Russians, I have to buy the Russian supplement, 
the core module, and then say I want to do Valor of the Guards as like a historic module, I'd have to buy the rule book, I'd have to buy the Russian supplement, and I'd have to buy Valor of the Guards. But none of that shit's in print. No, it is. Oh, it is. You can get the ASL rule book. You can get Valor of the Guards. I didn't think the rule book was in print right now. No, it's in print. It's in print. You can get it. Different versions. came back. Yeah. The the version with the binders in print. There, there's. If you look on MMP, it's up there. But okay. Well, I'll get it. I'll get right on that. So what I'm going to say is, I'll tell you what. When we go to Constant World, we'll play. You'll think it's fun. It's cool. It's kind of fun. And the scenarios are great. They have these scenario sheets. They kind of run through the scenario and what the map space is going to be used, what the situation facing the unit was, what the historical result was. And then they have a little section where you can, like, uh, maybe make it easier for the Germans or easier for the British. Like, you can adjust the uh, play balance. They've got a play balance section, yeah. Yeah, so it was cool. I thought, I think it's, I thought it was good. It's definitely worth the money, so. Yeah. Jason, remember, you, you did, you, you, you played America Conquered, right? From Lock and Load? Yes. Remember those those scenario sheets, right mm-hmm. for lock and load. Yep. Okay. Remember how poorly organized those were. <laughs> yep. This is the uh, this is the diametric uh, uh, oh, yeah. you know, diametric opposite of that. Oh, yes. well, that's good. You're you're gonna open the box and be like, "This is fucking cool." I mean, I, I just even though I kind of went into it like, "Oh, whatever," I mean, ASL. But I opened it, I was like, oh, "Man, this actually looks like it's pretty cool." <laughs> you start going through all the stuff. Like, I, you can I, put your I, guys. I think Starter Kit is something I might be interested in, but ASL, ASL. No, we'll play it. We'll play Starter Kit. We'll do it at Concert World. I think you'll like it. Because my strategy is, like I said, I did bend in the road, took out the tanks. Once I started reading the tank rules, I'm like, I'm not ready for that. So I just did it with the infantry, and it was still pretty balanced. So that's what I would suggest doing. And then, like I said, Jay Richardson has these really good... uh, I would play a turn, read it, see what I did wrong. And what he does is he does, like... Okay, I have three squads that are attacking a house with some Germans in it. Let's do it this way. Okay, now let's see how we would do it if we're going to throw smoke in the road. So he does it that way. He gives you a bunch of walkthroughs. So it helps you kind of process. Because I can't play the game just by reading the rules. I have to actually push it around. So Smoke in the road would be a cool band name. It would be. Yeah, because you guys have little smoke grenades that throw out there. So that's it. So, so I, so I'm sorry. You're gonna say something wrong. Yeah, I was gonna say, dude. You know, one of the things that 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 one of the reasons I stopped play, playing ASL and sold off all my stuff was that the um, one thing I didn't like about the scenarios, right, is that it's like five and a half turns, and you know, if and the one that got me was I, I've got, a, I need to have French guys on this side and the other side of this bridge, right, and then I win because it's like 1940, and my, the, I'm getting my ass kicked as the French. And I, you know, you can, you can do, it, it leads to gamey things, cause you know, you know mm. when the end of the game is. Right. As opposed to, I mean, that's one thing that, that, uh, good, uh, good old combat commander with its, you know, uh, cycle your deck and, and be bored, um, kind of gets you going, right? <laughs> it is, is that you don't know when the game's gonna end. Whereas this, you know exactly when the game's gonna end, you know what you had to achieve to get there. And it leads to that kind of, that kind of end, end of, end of game, I'm going to do these unrealistic things to try right. to win. Well, so, my my interest is not the scenarios. I like the historical modules. Sure, and and that was what I liked. I had I had red barricades and all the comp group piper stuff because those those were very cool because it was like a campaign and you played it. You played multiple multiple. But campaigns. I've actually heard that they, those are not as popular with the ASL players. I know. 
dude, it's crazy. They, it's, well, a lot of the times they play these tournament scenarios, right? They go to these tournaments. I've been to game conventions, lots of them, right? You know, um, where you know, they're sitting around just playing these, and they play these tournament scenarios. And for some reason, they don't like the, uh, they don't like the, the cool, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the cool campaign games. It's, it's a big, you know, cause it's a big, uh, investment of time and stuff, I guess. That's weird. Yeah, I'm not interested in competition. So I'm, I'm more interested in the history or... Oh, dude. These, these dudes love it. <laughs> I've, I've been at, at game conventions where somebody has stood up and like, you know, cursed, yelled, you know, oh my fucking god, and like thrown his dice across the room, you know, and, and complained and was just, he was screaming about how bad his dice were because he'd rolled like five twelves in a row, and then he won the game. And it went <laughs> I had a buddy once who winged a die across a convention floor and hit a little girl with the die and had to give her, <laughs> he had to give her all the dealer bucks he'd won from the tournament. He felt so bad. He went over there. <laughs> okay, so so basically, decision Velst, uh I'm going to give it on a fun rating. I enjoyed it. I give it a seven, seven and a half. Uh, beers, it's going to be low beers. But I, the one thing I'll say about it is, once you get a feel for how the rules work, I think you can actually maybe go high beers because most of the rules actually make sense. So once you play through them, um, I think they're easier to remember. So. I might do six beers, maybe, on it. The the big advantage is, if you wanted to check out the ASL starter kits, uh, if they're not accessible right now, this game will give you everything in the box that you need to play. So it's got the rules, campaign book, all the counters, all the all the, uh, the cheat sheets, everything you need. So it's all there. So one map sheet. Sixty four bucks isn't bad. Yeah, I think I got it for like fifty something. So. Oh wow. I think cool stuff was like fifty something. So I would check it out. All right. So that's the decision of else. Oh, the the other thing I bought, I didn't buy anything at GMT. Is it called GMT West, or did we just make up that name? It's it's called GMT West because they do one um, back nice. east as well. So I bought a Death Ride Totenkopf from Grognard Simulations. You didn't buy it there, though, did you? No. I ordered it when it came back because I was so proud of myself for not buying anything <laughs> for 40% off from the warehouse. You rewarded yourself. And actually, it was they, they let us have a crack at the 50% off sale that they ran out early. I know. Oh, nice. I know. It was made no sense, but I'm not pretending. I've been I've been looking at Death Ride, uh, but there was a guy on our guild, uh, Sean Drulinger, who mentioned it, and that kind of triggered me, and then I just went into this takes. weird... Like animal reaction, and just lunge <laughs> So I I I have it in my position. What I'll say is, uh, basically, it's Kursk. This is a platoon level for the Germans, company level for the Soviets. Redo of Kursk. They started off with a uh, gross Deutschland for mm-hmm. one of the divisions, and the idea is he's a small designer. What he's trying to do is do map sets for each divisional area of responsibility during the southern sailing of Kursk for each major division thought in the period. So did you say platoon? Platoon level for Germans. I mean that's there's a lot of platoons in a division. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now you can put a you can put a company down for the Germans, but you can also break them down with platoons. 
Okay. Kind of like they do in Vietnam where you can break things out. Yeah. And, and and so I've had an initial chance to go over it, kind of, and uh, and set it up as because I'm breaking down my uh, Moscow game because I'm going to take it to Constant World. So what I will say about this is uh, the guy is very passionate. Chris Vasulo is the president of the company, very responsive, answers your questions right away, uh, not like a lot of other people. Uh, the general plan is that they're going to do a bunch of different division-sized games that can all be pieced together as map sets, so you could do the entire thing if you wanted. Um, what triggered me was, right, well, what triggered me Jeez. was I'm interested in 2nd SS Panzer Corps. I'm interested in their attack on Prokhorovka. I wasn't really interested in Gross Deutschland or any of the other areas. So, I mean, for me, it's uh, uh, the battle for the 1st SS Panzer Grenade Division LAH against 5th Guards Tank Army. That's kind of my area. So I'm into that period. I'm into that battle. So that kind of would grabbed me. So, but can you actually pronounce the and and the whole of what L A H L A H stands for? Is it Liebstandard Adolf Hitler? Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah, something like that. Fuck you, Ralph. Don't So, uh, I knew be pretty drunk, so it'd be fun. But this is Totenkopf. So this is this is the left flank of LAH. Are you going to play this next year at Consum World? Because they're always set up with a... They are set up. Well, what I'll say is this. The counters look great, great, look beautiful. Uh, I actually think the rules are pretty smooth. I've been reading through them, and they are not too complicated. You think it's kind of a... No, you think it's kind of a... Be a vanity rule set maybe for a bunch of guys who just really like this period, but I think the rules actually play pretty quick. Just read it through. Here's the problem. There's 16 maps. So the maps are, the maps are maybe, uh, 12 inches by 18 inches. And there's 16 of them. So, you have uh, four map sets, like C, D, I, G. And each map set has four four of these uh, 18 by 12 inch maps or whatever. Try lining these maps up under a piece of plexiglass mm-hmm. to get them. You tug one, it moves. You tug the other one, it moves. It's like herding cats, right? It's ridiculous. So after about an hour of trying to get these maps set up, you know, <laughs> I emailed Chris and said, dude, I, I can get the C maps to match. And the D maps to match, and the I maps to match, and the J maps to match. I can't get J to match with I, and I can't get C to match with D. And I, he goes, yeah, they don't match up. Oh, nice. I was like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? So they, they match up generally, but a road coming might be a millimeter or two off. Mm. Yeah. And for like a complete component whore like me, yeah, that's a that is like a hair ripping. Yeah. That's distracting. <laughs> so you're tr- so here I was spending all this time trying to ship these map sheets because I would oh I got to get D one to match with C two and I'm like why can't I get these the second I would match them then I'd look at the other map sheets and now I've pulled away from those map sheets. Um, but I will say once you've got it all kind of once you understand that okay. These are going to match with these, and there's going to be some slight variation in map connections. It's not that noticeable when you're looking at the overall board of the 6x4 board, you know, that the road is maybe a millimeter or two away from the other road. 
I just never experienced that before. And what I what I said to Chris was, I said, you know, at one hundred and fifty dollars, which is what the game costs, I said your wiggle room for those types of mistakes is minuscule. Yeah, you know, you're at the top of the range as far as price point, so you can't have those types of mistakes. But I guess the the you know, while I my understanding is while Rick Barber might have helped out with the maps, the final map production was done by a guy named Kyle. Come on, and, Kyle. And Kyle can't match. Uh, you know, and just, I don't know. Just hit the middle of the hex I whenever a rogue is dude. leaving a map. I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a game developer, so I don't understand the yeah, hours that it must take to make sure that one hex matches up with another hex on a map sheet. You know, I, um, I have to say that I'm lucky all the games I've done are single, single map sheets. <laughs> there you go. That's the way to do it. Yeah. But that, the, the, the thing I said to Chris was kind of like, and Chris is a great guy. I, I, I think the history's there and I, there's some great ideas in this game that I think are really fun. He's very passionate about it, the, the battle, but I'm like, the whole premise is that Everyone's going to match up the maps that I'll buy Totenkopf, mm-hmm. and then I'll buy LAH, and then I'll buy Das Reich, and I'll put those together. But you're telling me going in that the maps don't match each other. And that's on one game, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's going to be a problem, because is the right side of Totenkopf going to match the map sheets from, from Leap Standard? And I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so here's some stuff that I liked about it. So when you line up the maps, though, they're, are they in that weird kind of... SSS looking. They're supposed to they're supposed to overlap each other, so the eastern maps will overlap one hex onto the western map. But when you look at it, when you start trying to move them around to match up, like you know, they're they're I don't know what you mean by SSS. What's that? Well, I'm looking at pictures of the game. Yes, so you'll have like a 2601 row. It's like the lightning. Yeah, so basically I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be on top of the first hex row on the next map sheet, but the road literally doesn't come into the right spot to match up. And if I try to match it, then the, the stream looks like there's a double stream. (laughs) So I'll, I'll take a photograph of the map. I think actually once you, once I laid it out, it was less noticeable as far as a problem, so. Yeah. Some cool things that I thought were good about the game is, while there's a big map, uh, the game uses divisional boundaries. So a lot of games, you'll see where it's like, oh, this is the map for uh, for Totenkopf. So basically, just feel free to race all over the place and flank the Russians. This game is not like this. It's very strict divisional boundaries because, Jason, you'll remember uh, from when you were in the military, you, you could not just drive up on that ridgeline to the right side of your position. And start attacking along that ridge line. Sure. If that was a divisional boundary, yeah. Because you didn't share communications with that division, they might mistake you for an enemy. You know, so uh, it's kind of cool. You want to put plexiglass down because you can actually draw the divisional boundaries to restrict where your division can perform. So I thought that was cool. Uh, one of the, one of the other neat things was uh, when you when units go out of supply in this game, you have primary and secondary fires for units, and it's based on what's printed on the counter. The way you get units out of supply isn't by like just having your zone of control around them. If you can get your secondary ranges to where they, they basically your lines of fire surround the unit, it's out of supply. 
because trucks can't get to it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that's cool. So you kind of put a unit out of supply because you'll shoot any truck that tries to get there. Mm-hmm. So really, it's about where your lines of sight are on an enemy unit. Hmm. And you can. So, oh, how, go ahead. How, what's the what's the map scale and the time scale? Well, you, I don't want to get too far. Well, no, I understand. I'm just I'm just thinking because a lot of games, though, at what the where you can go down to the platoon level, right? If the time scale isn't, you know, how I, how long I does it take? Hour, I want to say it's hour turns. So in an hour, in like an hour or two, how, I mean, unless, I'm just thinking, how much supply are you, do you need mm-hmm. in, in a couple hours? No, no, it's not, it's not a question of like, uh, that minute you're gonna be out of supply. Okay. So it, it's, I'm just making a general point on okay. one aspect of it. Okay. I'm not pretending that I've actually read. Okay. I just was was curious because a lot of a lot of those games at that level, right? They kind of they kind of brush supply aside in general, right? Because yeah, basically, here's what it says: uh, German and Red Army units are either in supply or not. Supply is determined at the first daylight turn of each day. Units remain in supply for the entire day unless they become surrounded by enemy units' secondary weapons range. Okay. Uh, units that are out of supply have their movement and combat factors halved. So, so it's checked once a day, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just wondered because it, that sounded like a, a relatively strict, you know, I don't know what the the scale is, but it sounds like you can probably, I'm thinking you can probably shoot several hexes, right? So that it would, you know, it sounds. It well, sounds the idea like, is if you have a unit, the, the the point is your friendly your friendly units block the enemy's line of fire. So if you have a unit stranded. Yep. That's basically surrounded by enemy units. Yeah, you can keep trucks from getting out to it. But there is also an ad- advanced, enhanced supply game where you actually have trucks that are going to go out there and supply. So I'm not going to pretend like I really read through it too much, but I actually felt like the combat systems and that stuff was not as as technical and, and hard to understand as you might suspect. So it's promising. The maps. We're concerned. And basically when I emailed Chris, I said, well, weren't you really upset about that? And he goes, yeah, you know, well, you know, he's trying to get it fixed, so. <laughs> yeah. You so I would issue a warning on that, but uh, I don't want guys running off and buying a $150 game and getting upset at me because the maps don't match up. Right. Uh, they do match, just not, you know what I mean. The road yeah, will yeah. be... A millimeter over. Yeah. So even though yeah. the hexes match up, the roads might not. Yeah, and and I and I don't want to sound like an apologist for you know game companies getting stuff wrong, but you know, dude, it's it, you would be surprised. You you look at these like you know there's, there were counter counter sheet problems in Infidel. And you look at those counters, and you look at them twenty times, right? The, the proofs, and you just. It's it's amazing how hard it is to like because you know what they're supposed to say, how hard it is to like find the problems with them. You know what I'm saying? Even and so and so you know just stupid shit goes to print. The the one thing I'll say about Fusula's rules though is as uh, while there's a lot there, the the basics of it are very elemental, so it's very easy to grasp, very quick read. I've actually enjoyed reading through them, so it looks good. I'm actually kind of intrigued by it. So uh, even though I was set off a little bit by the maps, 
Um, we all know who we can blame for the quality of the maps. Thanks, Obama. Once again, President Obama, thank you so much, President Obama, for screwing up our maps. <laughs> and that's it. I like it. That's all I got. Ralph? Well, they take a turn there at the end. <laughs> Isn't that, you can be blamed for everything? That's what my mother-in-law blames for everything. Yeah, I guess so. Tomorrow. It's always like, thanks Obama, like if the dishwasher breaks, thanks Obama. <laughs> right. Oh, it's Obama. Well, that's, 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 that's this, this presidential cycle, right? Before it was, it was, it was George Bush, right? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's whoever's in charge. That's right. I think, I think we can definitely blame Obama for these map sheets. I think it's terrible. <laughs> Thank you so much, President Obama. Okay, so that's all I have, really. David, Ralph, do you have anything you'd like to tack on at the end? Like a tail on a donkey? You know, I, I'd like to tack a tail on Lucas's donkey, you know, on Lucas's donkey, but no. It's... Anything you'd like to ask that we edit out? Um, you know, I know you're not gonna fucking edit this, so no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I don't think you've embarrassed yourself. I think you did a good job. I agree. You know. I, I would describe your performance as, uh, workmanlike. As as, uh, as as marginally adequate. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we strive for. Yes. Acceptable. acceptable. <laughs> it conforms to the community standards. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just I kept in mind that you know what people are are getting their money's worth. That's right. Always. Jason, you have anything else? I'm spent. God, yeah, I'm exhausted. This has been really hard. Ralph, working with you has been particularly difficult. Past my bedtime. I am a, uh, a troublesome guy, you know. I'm very demanding. No. Well, I can only hope that the uh, community of listeners loves this podcast because that means so much to me. Hey, and by the way, I'm the new manager of the uh, the guild. Yeah, congratulations on that. Marshall uh, decided he, he. I asked him, and he said. He has a he, different he podcast. Turned, to he do. turned it over to me. Yeah, yeah, so he's over doing the other podcast, Messy Game Room. So, so we're about eight days away from Constant World. Yes. It's exciting. So are we going to try to do something around the time of Constant World, or are we going to wait another? Oh eight, no! Eight like weeks you, you want to record from like my, my Constant World? Not, not necessarily from there. I think we'll Dude, both be you guys. Busy. You guys should get ripped one night and record. From there. Well, I wanted to do the uh, I wanted to do the Advanced After Combat Social, but we just don't have enough do guys. That. Don't have enough guys going this year, though. That's the problem. That's I, I think three is plenty. Rick will be there, right? So yeah, fuck it, just do it. Yeah, I'm all about getting ripped. Whatever, Ralph. Don't start trying to tell us what to do. <laughs> just because you're the guest host doesn't mean you said bossing people. He's around. developing the just, podcast. Just fucking do it, Dave. <laughs> just shut you're not up. my. You're not my developer. You're not the developer of this podcast. So that's it. I think I'm going to go over and see if those guys are still playing uh, Blood and Roses. Uh, so I think I might go harass those guys after we're done here. So. Oh yeah, they're yeah. That's going on right now. Yeah. So well, no, sure. they, they, fucking Braxton, I just saw on, I was, I was clicking around on board King Geek and Braxton fucked up and it was supposed to be 8 o'clock, so not 10 o'clock. That's what I'm saying though. Do you think they're still playing? Maybe. I don't know, they, it depends. 
I've heard that game's a real drag. It can take forever. So. <laughs> Dude, you know, I've heard that <laughs> sucks. <laughs> All right, so uh, this is it. This is where we yeah. wind down, right? So Excellent. we're uh, done. Well, thanks for having me. God, this is just a big bottle of this hazelnut stuff. Too much hazelnut. This is too much hazelnut. Thank you, Ralph. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Ralph. Always, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. You dudes, take it easy. All right, right, thank you. Bye. Have a good one. Visit us at http colon slash slash bardgamegeek.com slash guild slash one six six zero or contact us at advance after combat at gmail.com.